Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Who messy distance professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Book in the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, where tonight it is a loaded show. We are talking NWA WCW Saturday night on TBS from July the 25th, 1987, and part one with the sinister minister, James Mitchell, a.k.a. Dal Van Horn from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, James Vandenberg. I mean, just a, a hell of a part one discussion I had with him. And the patrons of the quarter, Gerald Green and Mark Wilson, join me also at the end of the show. For now, I'm sitting here with Doc. We are missing Harper. Um, and as I say that, Doc, his little bubble just turned green. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 20 minutes after we were supposed to start. Right, why Doc? bother? Why, why fucking bother, bruh? Why fucking bother? So, uh... Uh, Doc, how are you, man? And uh, let me give him a second since he's green right sure, now. Sure, why not? I got, Go I ahead. got. How are you? Well, I got some things to say. First of all, I'm dragging myself off my deathbed to come produce this show again. Uh, got a little under the weather action going on, and you know, I do it for the Docaholics because I care. But then I'm in the middle of of getting my cold medicine in and making sure that my head's all unclogged so that I can be the best for all the alcoholics and and I actually get over to Twitter and I see a couple of things I want to talk about. You still there? I'm listening. I it, this this whole thing with Twitter and you always wanting to talk about it it just kind of drives me up a wall, but whatever. Shut up. What else are we going to do? Talk about wrestling. I get tired of you with the your Twitter and Fatua. I don't. What are you gonna? What about Twitter? So first of all, uh, I gotta say there's a there's a shout out to and, and I don't know if I've done this before. The cold medicine's got me all crazy, but I need to give a spotlight to somebody who does some good work week in week out. I don't know how to say. Is it Journey Cornette? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. So that it's guy right supposed the, to appear, it's supposed to appear as Jim E. Cornette, but the way he's got the words constructed, it is definitely Jern E. Cornette. Well, he writes a haiku or some shit about each Smoky Mountain episode that always makes me giggle. And it, it you, you can tell it takes a little bit of talent. So that automatically puts him ahead of some other people. Uh, one specifically it puts ahead of him ahead of is Mullet of Morton. I saw Mullet talking to to denim about how much he hates me pal don't make me come down there to the warehouse and talk to ricky your supervisor or randy or whatever his name is and get you busted <laughs> down from sweeping floors to cleaning bathrooms pal you're lucky i mean here i am pulling myself out of bed to come do this and i gotta put up with that kind of shit but i gotta say wah, wah. i gotta thank denim for standing up for me uh you gotta stand up for yourself in this world 
Uh, do we have Harper yet? No, he's trying to call, but because of this new Skype, I can't. But can't you had to reload bring Skype. Him it's the only computer program I have ever seen that makes you reload it every time you use it. <laughs> Let me add him to the call right now. I'm adding it's him fucking... now. <laughs> it's a shit show, isn't it, Doc? <laughs> Just the shits. Hello? There he is. What's up, What's Brad? up man? Yeah. Had to We're reset this shit. Yeah, man, it's a fucking shit show. Yeah, we're, fuck this. Hey, we're, we're we're already recording. Just so you know, uh, this is this is live. Just uh, we're just balls so deep in this motherfucker already. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you re- did you did you have to? Uh, did it make you reinstall again? It it fucked up and it just wouldn't pop up. And I was like, "What the fuck, man?" I went and took a piss and shit. I think okay, by the time I get back, it's gonna be up. It wasn't. I was like, "You fucking shithead!" And I had to just like. I just turned it off and just read it again. We're off to a hot start on a big episode where we have Daryl Van, Van Horn at the end. The three of us are off to another stellar beginning. Fuck, fuck yes. Skype. It's a shit, it's a real shit show. I mean, I, I got to fully admit. Hey, you know that. what I can't fucking stand? What? It, it's that, you know, I understand YouTube has fucking commercials because, you know, it's fucking free. But I can't stay, bruh. They got political commercials on there now. What the, the wall. fuck, dude? On YouTube? Yeah. Oh, those and, are and, limits, bro. It's not even like politicians like around here. It'd be like some guy in, you know, <laughs> you know, who gives a fuck, Phil? About oh, he wants to let the uh, you know Mexicans in, and he wants to. I'm like, I don't care, bro. Where's my fucking old cornet? It's, it's like, where's the Jim Carnett when it talks about Tim Horner? That's what I want to fucking hear about. <laughs> Salty Harper. Oh, next, next, next thing you know, Luke's going to try to make him go to Saudi Arabia for the Saudi Arabia Wildcats. <laughs> yeah, the crown jewel. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like oh, when when the, when a WCW had that shit in, in like Korea? Uh, yeah, uh, back ex- in the except... Except the pro, the difference nowadays, not not to like go down a, a political t- discussion because we are a politics free zone. The difference nowadays is everybody is quote unquote woke, and now you got Twitter and Facebook and and every every um, how can I say it? Every everybody's got their two cents to to say. Everybody about it has access stuff. to more information. Also, yes. the North Koreans are bad every day. The Saudi Arabians just. Played hide and go seek with a journalist body part. <laughs> Y'all are dirty, man. I, I mean, it's what? Like, All right, so it's so it's hot news, and you know, so so what do you get for going to Saudi Arabia? Bitches on pay per view. God had, damn. Well, bro, oh shit. I, 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 uh-huh. I've oh. been asked a million times by people like. That actually, I mean, we got listeners who follow the current product, and but I've been asked people, "Hey, are you gonna watch Crown Jewel?" Well, one, it's going on while I'm working, so that ain't happening. But two, um, they were like, um, "Are you gonna watch that?" And do you think the women's pay per view happened because of Crown Jewel? Uh, sure. Yes, <laughs> yes. Do I think? Do I think water is wet? Do I think the NFL is a work? Do I think the bitches got a consolation prize pay per view? Sure. How was the how was the turnout for that uh, pay per view? 
Um, I don't know. I was watching Saints football Sunday night. Yeah. I got to say, I was watching Saints football too. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you nothing about it. Um, so that's that. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's keep rolling because this is a hot show. It's a and hot as I show. Said, as I said, we got part one with uh, James Mitchell, Dale Van Horn coming up shortly, and I got something I'm going to play for Harper right before we throw it, or, or after we get back from the from part one that uh, James Mitchell said for Hard Body Harper. He's going to love it. Uh, right right now, though, let me let me just mention a couple things, and then we get into the NWA portion of the show. I want to shout out disrespectfully classy Marky Blassie and at K underscore row 86, some of our largest patron contributors monthly. Thank you very much. Uh, don't forget to check out the Facebook group. Just search book in the territory dash, the unprofessional wrestling podcast to see all those shenanigans. And then a couple of quick shout outs real quick. Long time, Patron member Twit Dust. I think he's been a patron for almost two years now. So just a shout out to him. I think he's also writing for the torch these days. So uh, good luck with that, buddy. Uh, Eddie Prather. Uh, he moved over to Patreon. So thank you. Longtime Hall of Fame patron member SV Pagem. Harper, we met him at the ROH show. If you remember, he was well. He was oh, one of the guys yeah. we met there. Had the shirt yeah, on. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he had the – did he have the Ron Wright shirt on? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Other, uh, Sean Sparks had on the Dockaholic shirt. But, uh, yeah, buddy. I uh, heard his dad. I, he's the patron of the quarter, right? No. Oh. Well, whose dad was no. trying to get ass with his shirt, Dockaholic shirt? Oh, Gerald Green. Yeah. Dad yeah. Was was the one who was at his cancer checkup and and getting his clean bill of health, and he was hitting on all the ladies <laughs> with his Dockaholic shirt. She, they checked his prostate, and then he offered to check theirs. <laughs> something like that but sv pageant thanks for making a move over to patreon and then ace 1973 just signed up uh robbie dyson just signed up and then josh dunn welcome to the btt hall of fame patron wing thank you and please remind me if i do not get to you when you hit your seventh month to uh, touch base with me either facebook twitter or at bookingtheterritory at gmail.com for your t-shirt along with your size and which style you want uh that said uh, Doc, you got anything before we get into NWA, July 25th, 1987, this week? I think it's time to roll, pal. All right, it is time to roll, and bottom line, this is a hell of an episode, basically centralized around Ric Flair about to lay some fucking pipe down on pressure. Yeah. It's pretty much the basis of this show as Harper over there getting excited because uh, mm. it's Thursday and he's going to see his woman on Sunday and he's uh, he's he hadn't been feeding and cranking his thing off uh, so he could be ready to go on Sunday. Right, Hop? Yeah. All right. So we go to the opening of the show and it is the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express. They're battling before we cut to Shivani and Crockett. Um, I don't have much from this. Luger comes out. Doc, did you have anything from the Luger promo here? <laughs> Yeah, no, huh? Dude, why is Crockett dressed like he just won a fucking golf tournament? With that green um, fucking suit? Yeah, it's true, huh? Looks like the Grand Marshal for the, the Irish Italian parade. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have much else to say, but uh, you got a point there. Why the hell is he dressed with a green like suit? A, Who knows? Yeah. It's July 25th, so, I mean, it's not like it's, I mean, yeah, I don't know, Hopper. All right. It's whatever. It is. Uh, the first matchup is Arn Anderson and Tully Anderson. They defeat Tommy uh, wait, Angel who? and Larry Stevens. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard? You said Arn Anderson and Tully Anderson. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. They Thank defeat you. Tommy Angel and Larry Stevens. Doc, anything from that? Man, Arn and Tully looked good there, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They sure did. They definitely did. Um, what about you, Hopper? Anything? No. All right. So then, uh, immediately after that, we go to a promo from Arn and Tully. So here that is. Come on, play, bitch. Oh, my. Uh-oh. I got to watch the commercial now. I know that July 31st on the mind of the Horsemen in the War Games in the Orange Bowl, but also those World Tag Team belt type of the Rock and Roll Express on the mind of these two men. You know, Tony Schiavone, the Horsemen are the epitome of what professional wrestling is. The War Games. J.J. Dillon got hurt. The issue not settled. Rematch Miami Orange Bowl. It's going to be bigger and greater than the first day of the year. New Year's Day in the Orange Bowl Festival. But you know, you talk about the horsemen in any combination. We've said it for now more than a couple years. Any combination is better than any other combination in professional wrestling. But you know, we've never really put our sights on the World's Tag Team Championship belts until now. Arn and myself have took it upon ourselves to leave Rick and Lex do what they want we're still the horsemen, but Arn and I are going to do the deed. So rock and roll, you know we're coming. We have been involved with a war with the superpowers and the road warriors that no normal man could withstand. Before the bashes started, I said, I didn't know if I was going to come through it unscathed, unhurt. I didn't know if the rest of the horsemen were. I didn't know if the superpowers, I didn't know if the road warriors were going to come out unhurt, unscathed, maybe crippled. But the fact is, it's all come to a head in Miami. There was no decision in Atlanta. Nothing was settled. Miami, they've called the shot. Somebody's going to get hurt. It's not going to be J.J. Dillon this time. What it is, you're painting yourself into a corner. So we're coming from you. Now, rock and roll, you're a team that's been down before, and you fall back. But the bottom line is, always remember, nobody knows more about tag team wrestling than the Andersons and the Horsemen. I can guarantee you, we'll be world champions. Horsemen. They're the four Horsemen, and we're coming right back. Doc, throw it to you first, man. What you got from that? Somebody's going to get hurt. God damn, that's the exact same note I have. That's a great line. Mm-hmm. Delivered with such intensity and precision that I can't help but believe that somebody's going to be in the hospital after this shit. It's perfect from coming from that person too. Yeah, no, huh? Ain't no no fancy. I'm not out here trying to, you know, have fun. Somebody gonna get hurt. That's it. They called oh, the shot, pal. You painted yeah. yourself into a corner, motherfucker. Mm. You're fucked. Uh, ho- what else you got, Hopper? I mean, no one knows tag team wrestling better than the Andersons. That's true. You think he's talking about Rick, maybe? Being his cousin? Yeah. Yeah. David, you know, they pulled away from that shit. Well, Oli's gone. Yeah, but, I mean, Rick and Arnon are still cousins. Don't they talk about they... that later, though, in a couple of years? Uh, do they? <laughs> I, I think, think so. I think so, but uh, I think Harper's right. They haven't really mentioned it a lot lately. Yeah. The last time they kind of mentioned it was was during the Oli breakup when they were talking about 
I think Arn referenced. You are family. Uh, you're blood, but then, but you, you let something get away in the way. Oh of yeah. He kind of was like about his about his kid. Kid. Yeah. Right. So like, Arn was like, so this is my family. We are your family, and you didn't honor that, or something, something like that. He kept saying what he meant business. All right. So after Arn and Tully. Uh, I actually let it keep playing on my on my computer just now. The Rock and Roll Express cut a meat and potatoes promo. Did you have anything from that one, Hopper? No, I just oh, this one they they said the old uh, Tim Horner line. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> I could hear it. I'm like, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. That, that there it is. There it is. <laughs> That's where he got it from. I'll get you, you off. You're... I'll I'll get you off when you get on me. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. It's, I think the problem is we've heard that way too many times at this point. Yeah. Like, I mean, one thing if you're just watching NWA every Saturday and hear it, but we're sitting there covering Smoky Mountain and we've heard that line 500 million times right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. So uh, the rock and roll meat and potatoes, and then Barry Wyndham comes out there and he defeats Alan Martin. Doc, did you have anything from that? Sadly, I don't, man. Barry seems to have dropped off the map pretty quick here. Well, we said this last week, week before that, I don't remember, but I mean, he's got this Western state heritage title. And Man, that you know what that is? That title Bullshit. is the women's PP pay-per-view of NWA Damn. consolation prize. That's an insult to the women's pay-per-view to be honest. No, oh, no, it's not. Not really. Those girls yeah, are lucky. We, those girls are lucky we let them in their club in our club. That's right. <laughs> You're lucky to be here. You're welcome. Jesus. You're welcome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are you going to do? That's... Kick your ass, Mike? Jesus. When your That's balls so... to drop. <laughs> <laughs> Salty Man, Harper. That's, that's not fair, Harper. I mean, if you were black, you don't know what it's like to be black in this this country in twenty eight. Thank God. He is afraid of everything, as well he should be. Oh, yeah. Y'all are such assholes. Poor old Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, no, that Western States heritage is just bullshit. Well, well he's... For he's Christ's sake. Hard, right? I don't fucking remember, but this dude just... This dude was in a... And I don't want to say a series of matches, but again, him and Ric Flair... Tore it down. In a... Yeah, tore. man, they were fucking batting a thousand with that shit. They just dropped they the ball. Tore, that shit. Mm-hmm. They tore it down, and now he's got the Western States Heritage title, and he's just it, like, okay, that's like a Tim Horner belt. <laughs> <laughs> man, you look close enough, you'll find a fax machine etched on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, someone should Wait. make that the fax machine champion. You know, bitch. And like the side plates, the side plates would be like like the the different uh, logos, like Brother and HP and Epson and like all the different brands of like fax machines and like printers. <laughs> it would have a toner cartridge that you yeah. inside of it too. They got a toner <laughs> cartridge match where you got to climb up and you got to get the the black one. And the color one at the same time. The what? The, what? the, the colored one? <laughs> We're talking about toner cartridges. Oh, okay. I got nervous there Jesus for a second. Jesus Christ. 
ha, you're going to give somebody out there an idea. I know. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, uh, Travis Heckle, do you want to design a mockery of a Tim Horner-type T-shirt for me? I think that one would sell. Um, okay. Let's keep it moving because Jim Cornette is going to come out next, and he's going to cut a nice little promo for us. So uh, On everybody. He, on everybody before he introduces the Midnights for their next match against Cooler J and Mike Jackson. Here it is. Okay. We're back with Jim Cornette. Manager of the Midnight Express. I know, you know, I wasn't supposed to be here tonight, Tony. You look surprised. I wasn't supposed to be here. I was supposed to be in Miami, but I'm flying Delta. So here I am. And you know, the great American bashes are going on. I got bash fever, about 104. You can feel my head if you want to. <laughs> and you know something? Every time that there has been a great event in history, a cornet has been there, brother. A cornet has been running when George Washington crossed the Delaware, right? Who was manning the outboard motor? A coronet. When Abraham Lincoln gave his Gettysburg address, who was there selling his souvenir stovepipe hats? A coronet. When Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North got his first medal pinned on his chest, who pinned it on him? My mother, brother. That's who pinned it on him. A coronet's always been there at great moments in history, and there's one more coming up. Great moment in history. At the Great American Bash Rock and Roll Express, the World Tag Team title's gonna fall to the Midnight Express before it's over. I promise you that. You know, I know all those idiots out there, they're saying, well, Cornette, your men have had some shots at the rock and roll so far at the bashes. We see what the problem is, is because every time we met the rock and roll, we have left the ring with Ricky Morton laying face down with teeth full of canvas, Robert Gibson laying face up, counting the lights in the ceiling. They're broken, they're bruised, they're beat up. But the referees, see the referees hear those crybabies squealing, hear them crying, see those tears coming down their face, see the damage, the punishment that the Midnight Express is inflicting on them. They say, well, oh, we can't take none of this. This is too much. Censor this stuff, brother. Call a moral majority, it can't go on, and they disqualify us. That's exactly what happened, because you got a bunch of wimpy referees around here that can't take the punishment that the Midnight Express dishes out to the Rock and Roll Express. Well, Rock and Roll, we're going to get revenge on you yet, I promise you that. We're going to have the World Tag Team title in our grasp. And besides that, before the end of the bashes are done, too, we're going to settle a few other things for our United States Tag Team title. of Freebird's crawling right here. You know that big, fat Terry Gordy? He's so stupid, he stayed up all night one time studying for a urine test. And that Michael Hayes, he gave that concert in Atlanta. Every stray cat and dog from Jonesboro to Marietta committed suicide that night. And Buddy Roberts, you want to know how he got so ugly? Every time he falls off the wagon, he lands on that face. That's how he got so ugly. Let me tell you something, Freebirds. We're going to finish you off because you're nothing but has-beens. You're bleached blondes, and that's all you are, and that's all you ever will be. Not natural blondes like my Midnight Express. And Garvin Brothers, don't think I've forgotten about you for a second, Ronnie Garvin, you max headroom-looking thing, and that goofy, gorgeous Jimmy with the whoa, whoa, whoa hair out to here. Precious almost got away from you once, and maybe next time when you get in the ring with the Midnight Express, I'll get a hold of Precious, and I'll have my way with her once and for all while mm. my boys are beating you up. We're going to be the United States Tag Team Champions for all eternity, Tony Schiavone. We're going to be the greatest for all eternity. And sooner or later, when we corner those cowardly Rock and Roll Expresses with a referee that ain't afraid to let us do what we're able, we're going to be the World Tag Team Champions. Ladies and gentlemen, the sexiest tag team in sports and Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North's favorite wrestlers, beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan, the Midnight Express. Well, Doc, you said it. He cuts a promo on everybody, so uh, yeah, go ahead. Tell us what you think. Well, they beat up the rock and roll so bad that they get cheated. He cut a personal promo on every member of the Freebirds. Then he went over to the Garvins and said he's going to get 
Ric Flair sloppy seconds with Precious. I mean, then he's saying he's got historical artifacts from the Cornette family. On dude, just it's hard to talk like that that fast, even if you're reading it. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's talking about George Washington, Oliver, Oliver North. North. <laughs> That's a dated Oliver. reference too, man. That's very yeah, it is. dated. It fucking Max Headroom. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh. Well, so was George Washington. We just weren't teenagers when that shit happened. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so, Harper, what do you have? Dude, when I was like, fucking Oliver North, I was like, when the last time I heard that fucking name? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> okay, so, Mike, do you have anything on this promo? Because I, I need you to stay with the timestamp there. Um. Well, I have uh, the the snake. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, hold, on, <laughs> hold, on, hold on. Hold on. And stand wiggling hold, at her. Yeah. Okay. Hold on, hold dude. On. I, I. Hold on. Wait. 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 Let me say something. Yes. Uh, two things. Cornette saying that big fat Terry Gordy is so stupid. He stayed all stayed up all night for a urine test. Was great. That was uh, Michael funny. Hayes gave the concert in Atlanta and every street cat and dog committed suicide that night. Uh now, back to what those, you were saying. Those lines would uh, not get over in 2018, but they're great for 1987. They're absolutely great. Now, um Stanfield is coming out and doc uh explain what you said just now. Some fat broad has a toy snake she wiggles at him and he wiggles back and points at her. Yeah, like he's like this is my girl. Dude, she looked like fucking Margie from Smoky Mountain too. Yeah, she was a notch above Margie, which is not a compliment. Not, yeah, not by much, bro. And Stan, Stan fucking Lane points at her and does the fucking cabbage patch, <laughs> like kind of like a little shimmy type wiggle. And yeah. so I was like, "What the hell is this shit?" I mean, he's kind of like got the little bounce thing going. He doesn't cabbage patch, but he's got this little little bounce thing, and he he points at her twice. He jumps on a ring apron and points at her too. I'm like, Stan, come on, bro, you can get some better stuff than that. Well, dude, that that must be Jimmy Del Rey going to Stan Lane for Halloween or some shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the prize catch. Yeah, but you know, as you always say, Hopper, you'd have made out with her. Yeah. You gotta work. The, you gotta even the fat ones might buy merch, dude. Right, buy my shirt. If they don't spend all the money on hot dogs, I'll make out with you. Buy yeah, my you shirt. Bruh, wait till part. Wait till part two about Daryl Van Horn and when I asked him Doc's question about the rats in Smoky Mountain. Yeah, because I got I I couldn't be there and I wanted to be there. I usually don't want to talk to a bunch of stinky, filthy wrestlers, but a classy guy like Daryl Van Horn, I really wanted to be there, but I couldn't. Mike said, I need some questions. Man, I fired off like eight questions in 30 seconds, and here you go. So, Mike, I got a question for you. That fat broad with the snake. How many wrestlers you know back in the day that would have got on top of that? Every day of one of them. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> all of them. 99.9%, right, Hop? Yeah. I mean, it's not even a question, dude. They they they'd have been like, yeah. I mean, they they'd look at you crazy and be like, "What are you gay or something? You you wouldn't hit that." Yeah. I mean, like dude, all of them, they don't care. Like, Wrestlers you know, don't have standards, bro. You know, I like to drink beer for a hobby, right? And that's a yeah. shoot. That's cool. That's not enough beer in the world to get ready for that. Fuck baseball cards. Jesus <laughs> Christ. 
<laughs> All right. Let's keep it moving because after the Midnight's defeat, Cougar J and Mike Jackson, the whole centralized theme of this episode is surrounded yes. around the, 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 the date, the you know Precious and Ric Flair, the dream date. Well, now, first, before they throw it to the dream date, which we were going to have a lot of fun with, I believe. Uh, hold, on, hold on a second. At yeah. Anywhere from our ages back then, let's say, I don't know, 9 to 13 probably, 8 to, eight to 13, 8 to 12, somewhere yeah. in that rate. We're all in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. We all tuned in, and there was at least a half a percent that we thought we might see something, right? Yeah, you want to see some titties or something. Something bad, yeah. something's gonna yeah. scoops out, and we're gonna get to see something. Mm-hmm. More than more than we had experienced at that point in life, for sure. We thought we, we thought we could catch something nice. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> just make it. I'm too, just bro. reset. I just want everybody else to remember what it was like back in the day when you did not have access to filth at the touch of <laughs> finger. I know, huh? That's crazy. You, just, you were just trying to <laughs> access golden moments and happy accidents where you could just piece right. together some smut for your. For your Memorex tape in your head. Remember jerking off to like the the the, the fucking uh, the lingerie section of like the fucking JC Penney's catalog and shit. And now these kids got the they, they just type in big titty hoes and there's everything in the world for you to crank off to. Uh, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> Man, that is that is the. That is the 2018 42 year old man's. I used to walk uphill both ways to school. Hopper <laughs> nailed it again. Home run. Grand slam. <laughs> None of us went to war. All we got is that we not didn't used to be able to see titties like everybody can today. Right. I mean, Jesus. It's all. It's like going uh, from like a, a paper airplane to a space shuttle in like twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh god! Oh man! Okay, let's uh let's go to Precious real quick because she's gonna cut a promo before we go to the actual dream date. She wants to set the table. Um, and poor Precious, she's been so humiliated by this. But let's hear from Precious first. Here it is. All right, we're back. And as you can see, we have Precious. Precious, first of all, I want to thank you for consenting to come out here and talk. I know, I know, I know it's hard for you, but really, thank you very much. It's nice to be here, David. And I got to tell you, I did make it through in one piece. And I know everybody wants to know, so I just want to enlighten you all on what happened to me on my dream day. Um, First, the limousine came with that lecherous James J. Dillon in the back, and he took me to a beauty parlor to get my hair fixed for Ric Flair, the way he likes it. Then he took me to get my nails done, and the whole time he's breathing over me, and he's such a creep, David, he's just such a creep. Next thing, they took me to a tanning parlor is what they called it, but it was the most bizarre place you can imagine. I had to get in the sunbed while he stood down there near the end watching me. <laughs> and um, after all that was over, I really, really just needed a couple of minutes to myself. And I had to beg for that, but I did get a couple of minutes to myself. And well, what happened then? Why don't we look at the film and that way everybody can see, because I know everybody wants to know. Well, it was taped, so let's take a look. Precious, thank you very much for yes, coming thank out. You're welcome, thank you. Fucking Tony, okay, what, happened, what happened next? 
Yeah, I guess what I'm doing. Rhymes with jerking off. <laughs> I paused it so uh, Pre- Precious talks about they basically took her in a limo to get all gussied up for Rick and how yeah, JJ uh-huh. was a creep the whole time, which it JJ fits this fucking narrative so Dude, well. Dude, that with short this. sleeve shirt with the Oh tie. my god. He looked like a middle school vice principal. That wanted to get down and finger your booty hole. <laughs> Come here, I've got comics. Do you want to hang out after school? Uh, Sir, oh you're my. 53 years old. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why, real quick. Daryl Van Horn was telling me after we recorded that he that he sometimes listens to the show. I guess he's got it on like a speaker in his house. And his <laughs> and um one of one of his lady friends uh, was Which listening one? to it, was listening to it with him once, and the lady friend was like, "God, you're a dirty bastard!" But those sons of bitches are fucking filthy. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about re-examining your place in life, Jesus. <laughs> Hey, but he was very complimentary and loves what we do. Uh, of okay, course he so does. that's you know, that's, game respect. Dude, he, game recognizes game, pal. Right. He 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 loves BTT. Hopper, I got a message from him for you at the end of this show. <laughs> I will play it for everyone. It is glorious. Um, some of the patrons have already heard it because uh, it's it is the interview is up in its entirety for patrons right now. So you don't have to wait for part one and part two. You can listen to it as an entirety. So it's tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. Unedited, uncut. Just I just dumped it on there as soon as we were done. Now back to this. Um, so... Uh, JJ is already a creep, and this is before we even go to this this next part. So, um, uh, anything else, Doc? Before we before we continue, can you imagine just the mental picture of him standing there at the, <laughs> the tanning bed, just like go ahead? Well, he's probably sweaty and and uh. <laughs> another thing. When did tanning for like one session do anything for anyone? It's right. like a cumulative it's about effect. A week. Yeah, I, you can't I've just never go done for one that, ten minutes. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. know. Trust me, I've been around my share of uh, gyms and tanning beds, and it's it it, you don't weird. just. Yeah. yeah, it takes a little while for for your skin to start to bronze, as they say. Jesus Christ, white people. Um, and I'm just at least playing. we're not okay. ashy, you motherfucker, <laughs> bro. When the thirteen year old gets out the shower, you, you ought to hear my wife yelling at him about putting fucking lotion on. Cause he gets out and once he's dry, his fucking legs look like they're made of stone from all he had. <laughs> <laughs> my wife gets on him, put some goddamn lotion on them legs. I pop all the time. He's thirteen, uh, you better hide that lotion from him. Yeah, got that right. Yeah. yeah gonna crank it off sometime. Okay. So let me try to get through this in one take um, because this is about a four minute, 20 second clip, but we're now in the hotel room or suite, Ric Flair and JJ and the cameraman. Uh, Doc, any thoughts before I hit play? I have a lot of complex thoughts about all of this. So maybe I'll just hold them. Yeah. Let it all play out. Let's get it all out. Let's let it all go. And then we can circle back. Circle jerk. Okay. All right. Um, 
I, I don't care if you all laugh during this. Uh, I think that actually adds to it, to be honest with you. Uh, but let's hit play. Here it is. Let's take a look. JJ, this is going to be live, brother. <laughs> yeah, what do you think, huh? We're supposed to let her out of your sight. Where is she? Oh, damn, I, I picked her up. I, I didn't lose sight of her, but she's got a fire in her eye, boy. She's ready for you. She just wanted just five minutes to get, like, really special. What did you think of the limousine and everything? Oh, everything was great. This is, hey, this is the way the horse would do it, right? Oh, is this? Look, look, look. Is this live or what? Oh, look at this. Oh, look. Oh, look at this. Black. Does she have any idea what you're in for? <laughs> How do I look, man? You're nervous. Just relax. You don't need to get nervous. You know All what right. you need to do? You All need right. to go out by the pool. You need to light right. yourself a cigar. Right. Get yourself a drink and relax. Okay. Let me take care of everything. All right. Okay? Take care of everything. Take care of everything. Okay, you. I want you to stand over in the corner. I don't want to hear a sound out of you. I want you hiding behind that curtain. I don't want them to even know that you're here. I'm paying you big bucks. I want you to do your job right. No matter what happens in here or how heavy it gets, you keep them cameras rolling. You let me worry about what we can show. What we can show. <laughs> Shit. JJ's putting on brute cologne. God. <laughs> Creepy. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Have the dinner here. Here, just right. We'll dinner for about an hour. Oh. Uh, is this beautiful or what? Let me get a shrimp. Uh, did you check the water temperature? I checked it out, baby. 102 degrees. Just right, not too much. Oh. She's going to be a good Saturday, Look at the feast. I told her lots of grapes. He takes a bite of it and puts it back down. Got the champagne and the glasses. This is Preparing the wine bottle, everyone. Jeff, everything's set. Here it comes. Okay. You've done it again, baby. I gotta ask you something. Yeah. Been friends a long time, right? Forever. <laughs> never said no to anything I ever asked. Never. You. Please let me stay. <laughs> Come on. Where do you want to go? Of course. Of course. Of course. Shh. Oh. Never who she is. Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh precious. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, Let shit. me stay. <laughs> now Rick's putting on brute. <laughs> He's gargling. <laughs> 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 he spits it in the pot. Just got laid out. Precious, and it's precious. precious. Hey, 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 h
Miss Atlanta Lively in the house. <laughs> All right, so they 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 muted whatever JJ is saying before JJ gets pushed in the pool. Give me the camera. Rick's knocked out. Gone. Flat ass in the broom. Been there before. And then they're about to go back to studio where we're going to hear from JJ. Okay, so I know both of you have tons of thoughts on this. Uh, Doc, you want to go first? No, let Harper go first. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Harper's Harper. Where is this filmed at first off? Because okay, that was my first question too. Is what kind of fucking hotel room was that? Yeah, because they go in that in that little hot tub area. It's obvious that's on a set somewhere. Uh I just because took it as being like the a big, big walls. Well, I guess you're right there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Cornette knows where it was filmed. Somebody it, send a question to the drive-through to Cornette. Seriously, that's a that's actually a good one. It, ask him if he knows where that was filmed. Yeah. Write the question for him, Doc. What 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 do you exactly? You you're good at crafting that shit. You're intelligent. In the, in the famous angle in ni- summer of 1987 where Rick Flair wins a dream date with Precious when they shot the 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 video where Ronnie comes in and lays out Flair, where did they shoot that? Was that an actual motor lodge in or did they construct the set? There you go. Yeah, uh, good question. I no clue, Hopper. None. I have no idea. Because there's part of me that thought, dude, that's a seedy enough place that that place exists. Yeah, that 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 fucking bed alone just looked fucking ridiculous. Like, oh god, 1978's top of the line Casper mattress. Yeah. God, can you imagine a Badussi that is rolled that had rolled around in that bed? Barbara's and Lisa's and Wanda's and. I bet if you put the quarters in it, it it it, it probably moves. Mm. <laughs> Fucking panty crickets crawling all over the place. Uh, cross crickets. <laughs> okay, Harper, what else you got? And when and one thing I did like is when he it, it, it was like when they attacked Dusty, they explained why there's a camera guy there. Nowadays, they wouldn't even explain. They wouldn't have broken that fourth wall. Exactly. Right. I know these industry terms. I'm not the only guy like Bischoff that can fucking know how to use industry terms. Okay. And uh, when Jason goes to hide behind a fucking curtain, like no one's going to see him. That's like something a fucking kid would do. I'm going to hide behind his curtain. (laughs) Right. We can't see your feet. We've been friends a long time, right? Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Can I watch? Can, can I, I watch? <laughs> no. He didn't say, can I watch? That was the thing that was bad. Can, can, I, I, can I stay? Can I listen? <laughs> He's, what the fuck? You're going to get in the closet and listen? You nasty son of a bitch. <laughs> in the words of Bernie Mac, you nasty son of a bitch. You want to get in the closet and listen. And then when he jumps out of the closet 
and then he decides to hide behind a curtain. Once again, you nasty sum of a bitch. And 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 going back to what Hopper said a second ago about the cameraman. The, the Hopper tells the cameraman, "You stay there. You don't say a word. Don't make a sound. You just keep on keep that no camera matter rolling. How I'm paying, heavy I'm paying it you." Gets. No matter how heavy it gets, I'm paying you big money, which we're going to find out in a second how much money that did cost. I'm paying you big money to do this. Gee, JJ, so he's hiding behind a curtain, too. If you want to jerk off, go ahead. Get right. yourself. You're here. It's all the way all live, right. man. All, oh, wait. That was the other part. <laughs> Flair kept saying, it's so live up in here. What the shit? <laughs> what the shit, dude? <laughs> oh. When did Brother stop saying that? I don't know. Probably. What year? I don't know. It was before, well before this. Okay. So we had right. already we already co-opted that term from you guys. I guess. Okay. <laughs> All right, Aubrey. What what else you got from this craziness? Yeah, and and the fucking Rick with his fucking that like bikini briefs or whatever the fuck he's wearing. <laughs> Purple. Yeah, he just fucking lays out with his legs wide open. There's this fucking junk. <laughs> and then when you go back, you think he might be gone or kind of moving around. Nah, he's still there. He is you know you tune in with your eight to twelve, like we were talking about, expecting us to see something from Precious, and you end up seeing Ric Flair's right left. left <laughs> you end up seeing Ric Flair's shark fin. God damn it! <laughs> Shit. It's like fuck. It's just, just you want to want to give him a new nickname right there, Sharky, because it's fucking strong as. You're sitting there going, "This is not exactly how I hoped this would turn out." <laughs> Boiled again, shit. All right, Doc, let's go to you, man. So here's the deal, and now, and in all seriousness, I have some very complex feelings about all of this. <laughs> okay. Because it's it's legendary, right? Yeah. And for what it is, it's hilarious, <laughs> dude. JJ doing the nasty plunge back into that pool. Rick, just the the cologne, all of the things Harper mentioned. <sighs> but on some, there's two things that really bother me here. One is, you just made your champion look like a complete fool. Do you agree? Yes. And like how I they mean, talk about the, the, the fucking hokey, hokey stuff that they do now. I mean, this is... Well, and two... And this is the real complex. I, had to th- I spent some real deep some time thinking about this this week. I see that. This felt like trying to be like WWF, but the Southern Sleazy Motor Lodge version of it. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, com- I, I didn't. And, I didn't feel that way about. It. And companies run into trouble when they try to be like the WWF. I don't know if they tried to be like WW, WWF right here because this is far from like child's play shit. This right. ain't cartoon. No, but we all but we were all watching it. Uh, I don't think they. I think he made himself look like a fool, but in a good way. Because like the the baby faces, 
the 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 story part of there is the baby faces one up them. Because right. if you go back and listen to the promos, it was always poor old precious. Oh my god, and they're yeah. all bragging about it. They're gonna fuck her, and oh so, god. Wait, wait. So the last thing I I wanted to know, because I can't remember it. I don't care enough to check. It felt like to me that the date was with Precious and that they come out and say it's with a Garvin. That, um, or you're talking about the, the promo coming up, right? I think so. So my point was it's also kind of shitty in the weeks leading up. They didn't really pay off that bet. Um... I think you're thinking too hard about it. Well, that's what I do. I, I'm the brains here. Harper's okay. the looks. I'm the brain. Yeah. You're the black. You're the token. Wow. I Y'all know, right? Use the fuck out of these people. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think you're thinking about too hard about it. I think they did this well. I think it was a little hokey. I won't make that argument that it wasn't. Um, I don't think Rick looked like a. Uh, I don't think it made him look weak. I think they. Dude, the baby faces pulled a fast one on him. Rick was making out with a mannequin last week, and now he's laid flat in his skivvies in a hotel room by a transvestite. Wearing fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh, let's go back to that for a second before we move on. JJ putting a fucking brood on his that was... fucking face. And what guy bleeped old... out? That's what I want. So... What guy fucking bleeped out? So I went back and did some research. I'm glad you asked. And I pulled up the old worldwide footage from the from that week as well when they aired this. Uh that Tim Arecci, Dago Bastard, right, Hopper? Tim Maselli, as you say. Uh but longtime BTT Hall of Famer. Research department extraordinaire Tim Arecci sent me. And I looked it up and they bleeped it out on worldwide too, so I don't know what he said. Um I don't think it's on the Based on what I'm seeing, it's not even on the original footage. Damn. So I don't think I don't think this was a WWE uh, bleeping it out. Based on the the old footage I have, that's it's bleeped out. So I don't really know. I don't know if you called him a son of a bitch or just something that couldn't be aired. I don't know. Well, but anyway, uh, so all right, are we ready to move forward to JJ now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, after all of that. Rick's been knocked out. Rick got played like a fool. JJ comes out, assuming that the footage has not been aired. Now, remember, previous weeks, they said they were going to film it, and they promised it to be aired. So it's been aired now. Well, let's see what JJ has to say um, about that. So there it is, fans. A dream date. As you saw it right here on Nature Line TV, Rick Flair had all the cameras rolling, and he saw exactly what happened. As you know and I know, a lot will be heard, I'm sure. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. What we have here is a restraining order signed by Circuit Judge Clement Bean in Missoula, Montana. You'll look at it. There's a signature, there's a seal, all perfectly legal. We will not be seeing any tape here on this show today. That's legal? That's all in order. No problem, right? There is one problem. What is the problem? There's nothing wrong with that. It's signed, it's been notarized, everything's right there. The problem is we've already shown the tape. Oh, right before the break. You've already shown what tape? <laughs> the dream date. You've shown the dream date. Right before the break. About Who authorized to show the dream date? How much of it did you show? We, sh- we showed everything. Everything that was taped. 
You showed the whole thing? Yes, sir, we did. Without my authorization? I how am I going to explain this to the judge after all the trouble I went through? I don't know. I didn't know we needed it. How, you going to explain, how am I going to explain this to Ric Flair? I told him this was taken care of. It came to the studios from Ric Flair from you saying to air this last week. No, it didn't come for me to say to air it. It came from the judge. Not there is what I said. Well, it's all. No, you haven't there. heard the last of this. Ric Flair's going to have something to say, and you better tell Mr. Garvin and Mr. Garvin and Miss Precious or whatever her name is that you haven't heard the last of us because nobody embarrasses one of the horsemen and Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion in particular. I'm sorry. Well, we all saw it. Injunction or not, let's go to the ring. All right, Doc. So, so JJ's if they, fucked at this point. Well, but if they here's another problem. If they had the tape, why do you need an injunction? Just get the tape. I don't know. How would the tape have gotten over to Crockett? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Why would you think that? Maybe the cameraman was a plant. Oh. I don't know. Okay. I mean, Just it makes saying. sense. JJ was great there, though. <laughs> he was good. He was, the what? He may as he may as well turn green. Did you look that when, judge when, up? I thought Doc was going to. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I, no one looked it up. I didn't have time. I didn't. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> to see if he was real. Okay, Harper, what you got from JJ right there? That's what I was thinking. Was that judge real? <laughs> yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if it's a real judge. Just like Google his name and see what comes up. It, One of their buddies. In Montana. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we go with that from JJ where JJ is outraged and he is pissed off that the footage is there. The Rock and Roll Express then defeat Keith Steinborn and Terry Jones. That is followed by a Nikita promo where only note I had from that was Nikita going, Shadowata. 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 Which then leads into. Paul Jones, uh, wow. he's cut to promo. He's still and I don't here. Have any... Yes, he is. On I, I feel bad for Paul Jones at this point, to be honest. Yeah, no. Compared huh? to where, I feel where bad for Ivan. Uh, Ivan, too. But I just feel bad for Paul because it, it's literally, you know, we, we, we made fun of the, the Misfits uh, last year. But, I mean. Well, Manny's Paul gone? Jones, where, um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Where's Petrov? Yeah, Petrov's <laughs> gone, too, huh? No, no, no. He's still around, but Fuck. he he hadn't been he hadn't been on TV. So uh, Paul Jones is just kind of floundering. Um, I thought Manny was still here at this point. He might be. Didn't he go yeah, to the I, AWA next? I don't fucking remember. Come on, pal. You're the wrestling historian here. No, you are. Oh, that's right. We're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. All right. We go from Paul Jones to Ronnie Garvin, who defeats Art Pritz, but. That was quick, um, man. I wanted to see yeah. some some transvestite stretching. But he but he sits on him backwards and actually gives Pritz a piece of ass in his face mm. and not chin nuts. I don't know if y'all if y'all paid attention to that. So would you rather have a man's ass or nuts in your face? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the answer? I don't know. I guess balls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Harper. I I probably prefer an ass cheek. Yeah, <laughs> as long as yeah. as long as it's not the asshole. Right. That's what that, I'm saying. If I want, yeah, I don't the know. Ass where the cheek fuck is you all been. right. 
But but the ball, but a man's balls in your face. Well, I mean, that's like <laughs> salty and just stank and nasty. Whereas the ass cheek is is is. What do you do to your balls, Jesus Christ? No, what the what the fuck are you doing bro, over you there? You know, you know, after a long day of work or something, bro. I, I take care. I take care of. I pamper my balls. Take care of mine too, but that don't mean them some bitches don't get sweaty and salty during the course of a day. No, uh. Well, how hot does Sasha turn up the heat at y'all's house? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. You it's know, we cold. had a little bit of, you know, we had a little cold come through, Doc, uh, last night. And we're gonna get to get a little bit more tonight, bro. Can you imagine what they what these bras gonna turn that shit up to? Oh no, I got the ceiling pan on right now. It's hot in here. Jesus Christ, you ain't lying about that. All right. Let's keep the show moving because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty and almost to the end of this one. It is, uh, like I said, this episode's been surrounded around the whole Dream Dates thing. So now, Jimmy Garvin, Ron Garvin, and Precious are out here with with uh, David Crockett to cut a promo ringside. Here, here, um, here that is. Ladies and gentlemen, with pleasure, Ron Garvin, Jimmy Garvin, Precious. Guys, that was something else. Well, thank you very much, David. That was another fantastic win for my brother, Ronnie Garvin. And I guess everybody's seen a dream date now. The joke was supposed to be on us, Ric Flair. You're the one that came out here on national television and said you were going to embarrass the Garvin family. Well, let's see who's embarrassed now. The fact is this... He wanted a dream date with the Garvin's main squeeze, and I guess he got it. He got just what he deserved. In fact, he's probably going to get a little bit more than he deserves because the fact is this, Flair, at first you had me after you. You had one Garvin after you. Now you have two Garvins after you. And, Pally, you better be able to take the heat or you better get out of the kitchen. Right, Ronnie? Well, you know, he started everything. And let it be in a record that the Garvins will finish it. And Ric Flair... It's going to cost you a whole lot more than a date and a whole lot more than being embarrassed. Let me tell you, let me remind you that I've embarrassed you on national television on three different occasions and knocked you out. Well, I'm going to embarrass you some more. You see, I'm going to take what you got, what you cherish so much, because I'm coming. The Garvins are going to take what you got. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ASC and the Garvins, Ronnie Garvin, Jimmy Garvin, and Precious. All right, before I keep going to Flair and J.J. Dillon, who are about to come out, Harper, do you have any thoughts about uh, Jimmy Garvin, Ryan Garvin, and Precious right there? I like that promo. From, I did, from, too. Uh, I thought it was good. Yeah, from, from, from fucking Ron Garvin. That was good. I thought so, too. Um, and what happened at the Dream Date is a good setup for Garvin and Rick down the line. Yeah, it we're is. we're going to see in the coming months. Doc, what do you have from it? Ah, it's bullshit. You know it's bullshit. <laughs> Okay, so let's keep going then since Doc thinks it's bullshit and all he wants to do is complain. We got Ric Flair and J.J. Dillon out as Doc plays heel. Tony, hey, that was that was some date. It really was, David. And to recap what we have seen so far, the dream date that we had talked about and heard so much about, we saw the videotape right here on this. Yeah, we got something to say. Don't be talking about what's going on and then blabbing about nothing. Here's what I've got is a bill for $12,000 from mm. a video production company for two shows. Cameras and a whole crew of people for two videotapes that have been stolen and shown on national television against our objections, champ. I apologize I'll for that. Goes. I wasn't even going to make an appearance tonight because this doesn't work. That type of behavior that the Gargans are bringing me forward. In other words, what you've done is you've made a very feeble attempt to embarrass the greatest athlete 
in modern sports today. Me, the world champion. Now I won. The day was precious. It was cut and dried. The best man won. And precious, you were mine, baby. You were mine. Now your family decides to go backside on me. Garvin clips me. And you think that's real funny. But the bottom line is, when your name is Ric Flair, when you're the world champion, when people around the world say he's not from you, then you get satisfaction. And the satisfaction I'm going to get, Garvin, is I'm going to make sure you got the title shot. I'm going to make sure I'm going to pay to get you in the ring. And when I do, you will be mine. You understand that? You will be mine. See you next week, man. All right, Rick ain't too happy. Doc, um, I'll throw it to you first. What do you got from these two? Can you blame him? He's been ripped off. Um, ripped off how? Well, he didn't get it to to finish seal the deal with Precious. Yeah, he got cock blocked by fucking Ronnie Garver, and now he's fucked oh, with blue balls. Right. <laughs> okay. Now that's pretty All clever. Right. It's a pretty clever trick to get. Rick in the ring like that, because now Rick's gonna pay to get him in the ring. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I feel bad for poor Rick. Yeah. I had uh, another. I had another question back about that video. What's that? How many, how many nights do you think that video wasn't that far off from what really happened? You, you mean before he gets knocked out? Right. Are you trying to insinuate that JJ in real life once or twice hid in a hid in a closet? Not had to hide, but I'm talking like the cologne, the oh, the champagne, the shrimps, the all the way live. He was a world champ, man. I mean, you damn right. Yeah, Uh, probably happened. Somebody got. You think Harper? Somebody got split open, pal. Whoa! That, come on, <laughs> stem to stern, brother. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anything else from that promo, Doc? Man, Rick's got to get satisfaction. I don't blame yeah. him. I don't blame him at all. Well, he wasted twelve thousand on a camera crew, and he didn't get what he supposedly won. Nope. Which was Somebody precious. To get their ass whooped. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to rate this thing first. I'm giving it an A+. Plus. What are you Great. giving it, Hopper? A fucking A+, plus, man. It's fucking 39 minutes long with, that, with, with the fucking video and everything. Fuck yeah, it's perfect. Doc, what are you giving it? I have a complex rating for this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it an A. It's not an A+. Plus. Okay. Um... Can't give I don't it to get you it, all. but all right. I can't go the whole way. Just like Precious, <laughs> I'm not going to go the whole way. Okay. Well, let's. Um, Doc, who are you giving your Rolex to? For just a summer of stellar work, I'm going to give mine to JJ for being the creepiest bastard possible yeah. during that fucking video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've got. We've got. 
Daryl Van Horn on the show tonight. It just seems like we ought to give the Rolex to the to the person who was the filthiest throughout the the course of the show. So JJ gets the Rolex. Who are you giving yours to, Harper? It's got to be JJ. I agree. <laughs> Damn, I've been knowing you my whole life, haven't I? Oh yeah. yeah. How long we've we been friends? Very long time. Okay, I got one request. Can sure, sure. What it is? What is it, buddy? Can I stay? I'll hide in the closet. Yeah, hide behind that curtain. Sure. No one's going to see you. Sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> I've never asked a friend of mine, can I hide in the closet? <laughs> what the hell, man? Okay, oh. what if Harper was Harperizing Sasha Banks? Would you ask him if you could stay and watch? Or would you go I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Yes, you would. No, be I like, wouldn't. You'd be like, tag me in, bro. She's a good girl. I'm not going to answer that question. Whatever. Don't get mad at me because I said that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got to get over to Van Horn, man, because this is uh, – trust me, this this first part with Van Horn, he talks about an incredible Dick Murdoch story from the Christmas Chaos Tour 1993, uh, how he got into Smoky Mountain and what it was like working with Bob Cottle. And what led to his firing in Smoky Mountain Wrestling? That's just part one, which is a little over 50 minutes because we almost went a full two hours. Thanks to all the questions I had from everyone on the Facebook group uh, and from Doc. So, um, Doc, are you ready to get over to uh, Mr. Van Horn right now? Man, we should probably shouldn't keep the damn devil waiting. I don't think so either. So, Harper, hit the tagline. Let's get over to, to Van Horn right now. Fucking bitch. I am sitting here finally with Daryl Van Horn, a.k.a. James Mitchell. Uh, I'm kind of speechless. I'm glad to finally do this, Mr. Van Horn. We've been, uh, you have become a legend on the Smoky Mountain Podcast, as you <laughs> probably know. So uh, first off, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, and uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, your podcast is one of the highlights of my week. Um, a friend of mine turned me on to it, I don't know, six months ago, four months ago. I forget exactly when. But, uh, yeah, it's been great taking a trip down memory lane because I lost all of my uh, Smoky Mountain stuff that I had on tape in a move probably six, seven years ago. And, you know, couldn't find any of it. You know, and uh, WWE Network rarely puts anything on, and I don't think they put anything with me on it. I've actually seen shows where I was edited out of it. So uh, it's it's been fun uh, listening to... Uh, Listening to the old days and listening to people's first reactions of me when I first stumbled onto a larger audience on television and uh, was a clueless dumb fuck trying to make my way through the world. <laughs> well, who cannot appreciate a manager talking about felching the family dog and the crowd having no clue what that is? And we have enjoyed <laughs> we have enjoyed every bit of your tirades and your promos throughout. And it's sad we're getting close to the end of your run there. Now, I, I ask you a real quick question. You said a friend turned you on to this. Uh, I, just out of curiosity, you don't have to say who it is. Is this friend in a, in the wrestling business, or is this just someone that you knew that said, "Hey, there's three." crazy guys who talk about Smoky Mountain Wrestling all the time, and they're talking about you, you might want to give it a listen. Um, it would be a friend who, uh, I believe he is a retired indie wrestling person or something like that. I, I don't believe he's, but yes, he was tangentially involved in gotcha. the uh, wrestling business at one point. 
Awesome. Well, Doc did want me to ask you the first question because Doc couldn't make it. He wanted to know, right. are you a are you a Docaholic? He just, I, I need to ask for that. Uh, uh, you can say no. You have all the all the rights to do so. So, uh, but I wanted well, to get no, that one uh, first. I, I'm I'm many kind many holics, and uh, <laughs> if, if there's a holic to be, um, uh, you could probably sign me up for being one of them. So yes, I am a Docaholic. All right, so let's kick this thing off. You told me to remind you when we talked, and we're everybody who submitted questions. I'm going to try to get to most of them, but I will say this: we're gonna we're gonna focus on Smoky Mountain because uh, Mr. Mitchell here, Mr. Van Horn, he has talked about lots of other things on on various other shows and interviews, uh, not related to Smoky Mountain. He's talked about WCW, he's talked about ECW, TNA. You got it. But we're gonna talk some Smoky Mountain. So you reminded me when we were uh, texting. You said. Remind me during the podcast of my insidious plot to kill Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch with food poisoning after Corny made me drive uh, or made me his driver slash bag boy for Christmas chaos. I guess it was 1993. So do you want to uh, <laughs> elaborate on this that you spoke of via text message? Sure. Right out. We're jumping in time a little chronologically from what I got there, but sure. Um, yeah, so it was the Christmas Chaos Tour, and um, in those days, I was not a man of means, and I had a piece of shit car, so I had to always hustle a friend to drive me, you know, from South Carolina to Kentucky or wherever the hell we were working, you know, at the time, or Tennessee or somewhere. So my friend Jeff Bailey, who actually is a, uh, he's now a wrestling manager. Actually, I think he retired recently. But uh, he, he's a lifelong friend of mine, the guy who turned me on to pro wrestling back when I was like in third grade. And we were roommates at the time. So anyhow, I had to go do TV. So he had to use his car. He had a nice new car. Um, we get there and Cornette announces to me, um, hey, uh, DVH or whatever he called me, Van Horn. He goes, hey, Van Horn. He goes, hey, this is uh, Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. He's a crazy sick son of a bitch like you. You'll have a great time with him. Uh, can can you give him a ride You know, around the loop? And I'm, I barked out. I'm like, of course. I get to spend four days in a car with Captain Redneck. And, I mean, I loved the heel Dick Murdoch when I was a kid, you know. And I'd always... Um, what, what little bit I had been around uh, name wrestlers at the time was, you know, I, I really soaked up being able to sit in a room and just shoot the shit with them, drink beer and shut up and let them talk so I could soak up their knowledge. So this is what I'm looking forward to is this great education. Well, my friend Jeff is a huge football fan, right? As is Dick Murdoch. I don't right. know jack shit about football. In fact, I actively dislike all real sports, right? So <laughs> we get in the car, and, and these towns, I forget, you know, they're probably three hours apart or whatever. And um, we get get on the road, finally, and uh, they're talking football, and I'm trying to insert wrestling questions into it. And Dick Murdoch does not want to be bothered with a bunch of fucking wrestling questions from some Mark manager sitting in the back seat. Uh, these guys are having a great time, but as the days went on, first of all, he ribbed me a couple of times, like he'd say, "Hey Van Horn, I, I don't have any, I don't have my wallet with me. It's in the uh, suitcase. Uh, can you pick me up a 
a case of beer. I'd say, okay, sure, I'd pick it up. And that happened like the first three days. And the first three days we were on the road, he also didn't uh, have money, didn't have his wallet with him when it was time to go eat at the Chinese restaurant or wherever we went. And um, Jeff eventually uh, told me on the final day, he goes, you stupid asshole. He goes, he's not, (laughs) you just got ribbed. He's not going to pay you because when you walked out the car, he said, thanks for the beer, you dumb son of a bitch. So there's that going on. But while car so i'm trying to have wrestling conversations with him and he's just raking my eyes constantly just want to talk about college football with my buddy in the front seat and um at one point i i ask him uh i I say something about wrestling and he says uh oh yeah yeah that's fucking jerry lawler jerry lawler don't know how to draw that motherfucker thinks he can draw now you've got to remember I'd been in the business about three years at this point, for the most part, doing outlaw mud shows, as Cornette calls them. Although I had, right before Smoky, right before Smoky Mountain, for maybe a year, I'd gotten to where I was on the uh, independent shows that, you know, I'd be managing Paul Orndorff for the Iron Sheik. So I'd moved way up on the mud show circuit. But I still was around a bunch of people who didn't know what they were doing. And they weren't speaking the proper lingo because it was a bunch of jabronis, right? So he's talking about Jerry Lawler thinks the motherfucker thinks he can draw. So I'm remembering in the old days, Bill After magazines would have pictures that Jerry Lawler drew. He actually was an artist, and that's how he bullshitted his way into the business. (laughs) So I start arguing with Captain Redneck. I'm like, no, Jerry Lawler can draw. Hell no, that motherfucker can't draw. He goes, fuck, you know who can draw? The M&M boys. And I go, M&M boys? And I remember that's what uh, he and Blackjack <laughs> Mulligan called themselves in the mid to late 70s in Mid-Atlantic when they were there together. And I said, oh, yeah, Mulligan. And he goes, yeah. And so I, I think I've got him on a roll, right, about to start talking about uh, him and Mulligan. And he goes into the story about how uh, – yeah, yeah, no, that fucking Lawler, he thought he could draw, but, man, me, me and uh, Mulligan, we outdrew that son of a bitch everywhere, everywhere we went. And uh, we bought the Knoxville Territory or something like that. But he, he, he's going on and on about drawing, and I asked him some other question about, oh, really, so what kind of medium do you work in? Like uh, paint or, or, uh, or uh, you know, uh, pen and ink or, you know, canvas, what do you do? And he just cuts this scathing promo on me. Then uh, uh, somewhere else on the tour, um, I try to get a word or an edgewise as he's, I mean, every once in a while, he'd just lean back and I, shut the fuck up, rookie, you know, and uh, <laughs> just brutally berating me and ribbing me for these long, grueling two-lane road trips in the you know, in the asshole of America somewhere between Hazard, Kentucky and, you know, North Carolina somewhere. And uh, he says, uh, I said, he said something about uh, running, a, having something working for somebody outside of wrestling. And I said, well, well, where do you work? He said, I work with curs. I heard him say curs. Now, <laughs> I thought he meant a cur dog, if you've ever heard of that. A cur dog is like a southern term for just some kind of piece of shit mongrel dog, I guess. I, I believe. <laughs> uh, so he's, yeah, I work, for, I work with curs. I start asking him questions about dog breeds 
And, you know, does, does he get them for rescue shelters? And, you know, and he, and he looked at my friend Jeff and he goes, Jeff, pull the goddamn car over. Stop the goddamn car. You stupid son of a bitch. Curse beer, you stupid motherfucker. Curse beer. <laughs> and, and so I just kind of ball up into a fetal position. And, I mean, he is, he is, I had never been browbeaten or ribbed ever. In, in my short time in the wrestling business at that point, right? And I had looked forward to getting together with Captain Redneck because, you know, I'd always heard from uh, people I'd met over the years on the shows that, uh, oh, yeah, if you ever meet Captain Redneck, you're going to love him because he loves to drink beer and you love to drink beer, right? And um, <laughs> so, and, and then even one time, even though he's having me buy him a case of beer every day that he'd ever paid me for, I'm in the back now, miserable, and I'm slamming back beers, right? And he's cutting promos on me about, stupid motherfucker, don't you take any pride in your job? What are you doing sitting back there getting drunk? So, um, finally, we we get done uh, with one of the towns. It was a third of four nights, I guess. And I am ready to kill this guy. I'm hating him, and I can't say a fucking word to him. So, uh, you know, you know how they say, don't meet your heroes. You might be disappointed. Well, that's yes. where my head was. So I'm telling Jeff, my roommate or driver or whatever, my buddy, I said, look, uh, I'm about to just walk out of here. I can't deal with this shit anymore. Or, or we've got to say your car's broken or something. You know, we've, we've got to kayfabe him. And Murdoch calls, calls our, our room. And uh, he goes, hey, Van Horn, you boys got anything? Oh, and it was also snowing. It was probably two feet of snow, three feet of snow on the ground, right? It was really bad. And Murdoch goes, you boys want to go get something to eat? And I was like, no, we can't fucking go anywhere and eat. Look outside. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck I am. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, no. We're, I'm, and basically at that point, it was kind of a passive aggressive, fuck you. I'm not doing you any favors is what I felt. I didn't have the balls to say it. But he goes, you boys ain't got he goes, goddamn Van Horn, how, how long you been in the damn business? You, you're on the road, you boys don't know how to bring a bologna sandwich with you. And I go, hold on, let me call you back. And I hang up the phone. And I remembered then, and this is where I hatched my diabolical scheme. Jeff had taken me, because I'd go there once a month and we'd take three weeks of TV or whatever, or every three weeks we'd go there, right? And my girlfriend at the time would make uh, pack a cooler with, uh, you know, sandwiches and shit like that. So I wouldn't have to spend money on the road. And of course we never ate the food because we were too busy partying. Right. And this food just sat in the cooler and festered. And I ran outside to the car and I opened up this little igloo cooler that Jeff had in the back of his car. And it was like opening Pandora's box. It smelled like a fucking monkey's wedding. If, like, you know, when you open, if somebody's refrigerator has been turned off or something and it had food in it, you know, yes, it, yes. I, it, like, it jumped out and just bitch slapped me in the face. And I look down there and there is mold bread and there are several uh, uh, sandwich bags, little baggies or whatever you call them. Yeah. Full, yeah. Of, uh, full of ham, right? Like ham steaks that yeah. had mold on them. I mean, legit green and gray, shitty mold. So I bring the stuff back in the room and I said, Jeff, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Because you know what? 
if he eats it, if he eats it, if he is crazy enough to eat this shit, there's no, he's going to get a case of the shits. He won't be able to make the tour and then we can make the town and he'll be sick and he'll be out of my hair forever. Right? So Murdoch calls back a few minutes later. Damn Van Horn, did you find any food? Go, yeah, yeah, I've got something. It's been in the car a little bit. You know, I'm not sure if it's going to be good. And he comes in the room and the damn igloo is there and it stinks. The igloo cooler stinks like a son of a bitch. And I pull out you know, like the bread, the half a loaf of bread is really shitty on either side, right? Like black. But in the middle, there's still, there's a damn, you could cure polio with what's growing on this shit. You know, it's still obviously moldy. And the ham, the ham has hair growing off of it, you know? And I said, well, is this okay with you? And I, I handed him the bag of ham. Murdoch looks at it and he goes, yeah, that's good. You got a piece of, you got a slice of white bread? Well, as a matter of fact, I do, Captain Redneck. <laughs> and I reach in the middle of the thing, and I grab a piece of bread, and he grabs this moldy bread, one piece, slaps this shitty ham in it, folds it in half, and he goes, damn, Bubby, you, you got a little mustard? And I go, sure I do. And I hand him the mustard, pours mustard on it, and then he starts eating it, and he's talking football with my friend, and I'm waiting on him to vomit. He doesn't vomit. He does this like three more fucking times, you know, and uh, Jesus. finally, he finally just leaves the room and I'm waiting in the morning. The phone rings and I'm going, yes, uh, either it's the maid saying Dick Murdoch has gone to the hospital with, you know, food poisoning or botulism or something. But no, he's like, God damn, you boys ain't up yet. We got to We got to go a long haul. Let's get let's get on the fucking road. Um, so, yes, Captain Redneck completely no sold my rib on him and no sold my plot now i don't know if he was drunk and didn't pay i'm thinking he just refused to sit down you know <laughs> and, and uh ate it anyway but the, the the end of that story is so yes i did try to uh make him sick or kill him but the next night uh as we were on our way the, that morning when we were on our way to the final town um he's continuing to batter me verbally the whole way there and something came up about sex and uh, I piped up for a minute, and Murdoch leaned over to the back. Shut the fuck up, Van Horn. You ain't got no damn pussy on that shit, Rabbi Water, you know? And <laughs> Jeff defended me. And Jeff goes, no, you know, this guy's like a rock star. And uh, Murdoch goes, ah, shit, yeah, you got a damn pussy like you. You don't play no football. What kind of queer are you? Yeah, bye. And uh, Jeff says, open up the briefcase. Well, in those days, uh, there were no cell phones. A lot of conversations, a lot of things I'm going to say during our conversation are going to go back to there are there were no cell phones or computers in the day, right? Yeah. But yep. in those days, if you wanted proof of the rats, you had to do it Gene Simmons style and have Polaroids, right? So I had Polaroids. And for every story that Jeff and I started telling, because we would work a tag team heel gimmick on the rats sometimes, um, we had Polaroids. And Murdoch started laughing and popping. And then, then he was like, God damn, Van Horn, you're all right with me. And then uh, after the show was over that night, we sat up till probably, I don't know, four or five in the morning when we had to take him to the airport. And like, he stopped healing on me and we laughed our asses off. And then I could ask him all the stupid wrestling questions. And he was really, really fucking cool. And, uh, you know, right before he left, it was the greatest compliment I had ever received in the uh, wrestling business up to that point. 
uh, just as we were dropping him off at the airport, he goes, God damn boys, I swear to God, you're a lot of fun. He goes, if I had, still had a territory, I'd, I'd put you guys under contract just for morale. So I was like, yeah. So finally, <laughs> I, you know, I turned him baby face. <laughs> After you tried to kill him and po- food poison him. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yes. Captain Redneck. Well, what's uh, next on the agenda, Mr. Mills? Well, well we, we did jump in. Uh, I, I had to have that story because I figured I'd forget it or, or I had it written down. It was late. but So let's start from the top. Uh, a lot of people, I think you saw it on a Facebook page, they, they want to know, uh, one, how did you get into Smoky Mountain? I've heard the story. Uh, but how did you get in? And, um, you know, and obviously, uh, well, we'll talk about how, how you end up leaving. But how did you first get in to, to Smoky Mountain with Jim Cornette? Well, uh, after I had uh, bamboozled my way into wrestling by uh, recording my uh, my taped in a kitchen uh, promo audition tape and sent it to Gene Anderson, um, which I I'd actually taped it over a commercially produced porno tape so that Jesus. they would actually look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been sending tapes to promoters i mean i'd never even been in a ring right um but uh so nobody would uh write me back or even return my calls or if i did call them they'd hang up but once i put that same obscene promo about 15 minutes into a commercially produced porno tape complete with a slip case and everything right uh lo and behold they called me back gene anderson called me and i got some phone numbers and uh among the phone numbers I got uh, was uh, Jim Cornette. But anyhow, I, I, for a, that was probably in 1989. So for a couple of maybe three years, then I'm you know working my way slowly up the shit shows. And uh, I finally got one of the numbers that uh, uh, Gene Anderson gave me, led me to South Atlantic Pro Wrestling, where I actually got on television for the first time. And uh, that actually gave me a loop. So instead of sending shit that was recorded in a, a car dealership lot or something somewhere or under a tree, you know, I actually had something with a little production value where I was uh, being interviewed by Bob Cottle. And uh, I put that on a tape and I sent it to Cornette. And I don't know how, I, for some reason, I'm thinking it was about a year before I heard from him. But, uh, I came home from work one day and my stepmother said, uh, yeah, you got a phone call from a Jim Cornette. I called him up and he said, uh, Daryl Van Horn, it's Jim Cornette. Hey, uh, got something we could use you for. And he says, uh, he tells me it's Prince Karras. He said, don't laugh. It's Prince Karras, the mummy. And I said, you mean the mummy like Boris Karloff? And he goes, yes, exactly. Well, that didn't bother. Well, first of all, I was talking to Jim Cornette. So, you know, I don't care what he would have told me to do. I would have done it. Right, Second of right. all, uh, because I was, I was a monster mark when I was a kid. You know, I used to get Famous Monsters magazine and the old, my uncles and shit would give me their old 1950s tales from the Crypt comics and all that. And I'd get in trouble running around on the schoolyard acting like a mummy or Frankenstein or whatever. And then he told me that he wanted me to wear a fez. Um, which, and I said, you mean like the grand wizard used to do when he was Abdullah Farouk with the sheik? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm in. So he told me where to buy a fez from and I ordered the thing 
and um, and then, you know, I did a little studying on the uh, the mummy movie and what. I had no idea how they were going to work it, but uh, in the meantime, because I had uh, when you're doing indie wrestling, you know, the PA system always sucks. So oh, I had even when you're, it sounds like you're going. <laughs> is what yep. every promo sounds like, you know, especially at the level of shit show wrestling I had been doing. So I really didn't even know what a promo by me would sound like. You know, I didn't have any idea, you know, I just, there was nothing to, you know, no way to really watch myself back on anything. So, uh, I had this shitty job in a, uh, furniture warehouse which gave me a lot of time to mumble to myself. And I just started thinking, well, if I really want to make a splash, um, how can I take the silly shit about a mummy and try to make it sound like a crazy demented person is, uh, is behind it, you know, where there's maybe plausible deniability. Now, one of the problems I had was I, first of all, I, at that point, I'd never been in a position to where an interview I would do uh, would spur ticket sales, right? In my mind, right. you just cut promos to cut promos. You know, there's not a there's not an end game to it. So I, when I showed up and did my debut promo, which I had at that point, there were probably four or five different ways I was going to go with it. You know, when I came out and did the debut one. Popped a wheelie, live, you know, everything was live, one take. There were no retakes at all. And you were in front of a live audience. And uh, I got to the back. And I mean, and the thing was, when I listened to it played back on your show, because I'd forgotten how it went, I thought to myself, wow, that really is different compared to what you're hearing here. You know, not saying whether it's good or bad, but it's certainly something different. But I would get out there and I was so nervous. Um, I would like go into a zone and the way I could, best way I can describe it is it's like you're peeking through the peephole in a hotel door. I get like a tunnel vision and I couldn't remember a fucking thing I said until <laughs> the show would air until the show aired a week or two later. <laughs> and thankfully we had a friend that had a satellite dish so we could pick it up on uh, whatever, whatever network, you know, carried it on, on satellite. But uh, I got to the back and, you know, nobody knew who I was at all, you know, and uh, except Bob Caudill, who maybe because he'd interviewed me a couple years before. But, uh, yeah, everybody, everybody was like, wow, why aren't you working for Dusty? So I started, you know, thinking that was hot shit. And I waited until the sheets came out because, again, there's no no Internet. So you have to wait a week or two for the news to cycle through the sheets. And as I'm reading the reviews, people are kind of popping for what I'm saying. And, and you know, Cornette hasn't called me and fired me or anything and hasn't said there's any problems. So I just doubled down and just <laughs> excuse me, kept, kept trying to do that. And uh, one thing is, like, now, of course, I, I probably would never try to do anything like that on TV. You know, you, you understand, you know, the sensors and whatnot, but everything I did flew through, flew under the uh, radar. And uh, it was, it, it was just a matter of me kind of 
because I didn't understand wrestling, I was popping myself. Like, what can I get away with on TV and popping my friends? What, what, you know, five or six of us that would sit around while after I finally got my hands on a tape a week or two later and, uh, and waiting to see if I could pop the guys in the sheets. I was that fucking clueless. I just didn't know what I was doing. But uh, Cornette let let me get away with a lot of shit, and that's kind of where it started. All right, so two two follow-up questions regarding your promos. I mean, you've heard us on the show, man. We we laugh, and I think in Doc's words, he said, man – He's like Daryl Van Horn is a dirty bastard in the most glorious way possible uh, as a compliment. Mm-hmm. So um, first off, uh, one, we've kind of talked about Bob Cottle offline a little bit. Uh, what did Bob Cottle – I know how he looks at you during the promos, but what did you, one, think of Bob Cottle as you were uh, getting your rap going during these promos? And two, uh, did Bob ever tell you anything besides look at you strange while uh, you offended him in every way possible, which was wonderful? And I love Bob Cottle. Uh, like that. So, uh, <laughs> um, What did I think of Bob Cottle? I was completely marked out to be standing next to Bob Cottle because Bob right. Cottle – was the guy who called the matches on mid Atlantic wrestling in 1975, 76, 77, 78, 79, whatever, you know, when I was a kid. Right. And, uh, I'm standing next to Bob Caudill thinking I have made the big time, you know, <laughs> plus Jim yeah. Cornette's here, you know, and the rock and roll express. So I had nothing but respect for Bob Caudill. Right. Um, and, but I would, uh, uh, maybe a month or two into the proceedings and, and Caudill never spoke to me other than hello. You know, <laughs> I, I think one time he looked at me and he said, Daryl, you're, you're one weird man. I think it's about the only thing he ever said to me <laughs> uh, backstage when there wasn't a microphone in his hand. Um, but, uh, Jimmy Del Rey or somebody came to me and said, uh, you know, uh, you're kind of pissing Caudle off. I said, how am I pissing Caudle off? You know, I'm just a heel up here. I'm just a heel doing my thing. Right. And I'm supposed to shit on everybody. And he said, well, you know, he works for Je- uh, Jesse Helms. I said, no, I didn't know that. He goes, no, nah, you know, this guy's like a really devout Christian. You, you know, you're, you're kind of getting heat you know, with, <laughs> with uh, Caudle. Well, he probably shouldn't have said that to me because being, being the heathen that I am, I decided to start amping it up, which over the arc of my, uh, my stay there, I, I ramped up the blasphemy and whatnot. I was actually kind of waiting to see if he would say something to me about it on air. And, and to his credit, he didn't. He, he, he verbally no-sold me being an asshole about religion. But uh, you, you could see on his face, like some wincing, I guess would be the term I'd use, where it's like, oh no, you didn't just say that, you know, and, and I'm holding a microphone in front of you and maybe, maybe a turbo uh, Southern Baptist, uh, Senator Jesse Helms, whom I work for, just might see this and wonder what kind of, you know, bullshit am I involved with? But uh, no, he, he never said anything to me, but, but I did hear that he was greatly offended and, uh, Decided to, you know, it's like a little, in fact, a lot of what I did there was like being a little kid, seeing what you can get away with until mom spanks your ass. 
or makes you pull a switch off the tree, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know what's funny? You mentioned that about Del Rey. So I can't remember exactly when you said this line I'm about to repeat, but uh, there was there was one promo where you you referred to the Bible as a book of lies, and I'm no, willing to bet. A pack of fairy tales. A pack, pack of fairy, fairy tales. T- pack of fairy tales. I'm willing to bet that that was said after Jimmy Del Rey told you what he told you. And, uh, yes, Bob Cottle did wince. Uh, along that line of you saying that, uh, what, uh, I mean, like, what was, did, obviously, where you're at, you're talking about a, a pack of fairy tales. Uh, a bunch of questions on the Facebook page. I, I apologize if I'm not mentioning exact names, but what was uh, live fan reaction in the area? I mean, we can see it on TV. They weren't happy with you at all. But uh, the, the people in the area, I mean, how, how bad was it, the heat, for you uh, basically taking a piss on the Bible? <laughs> well, okay, prob- in, in reality, look, you know, because look, back then, when you're new to the business, you think everything you do is great, right? Yeah. Like, like, a, like when a woman gives birth to an ugly fucking baby, you know, <laughs> all babies, all babies look like Winston Churchill, you know, so, but, but they think they're the cutest thing. And, you know, so I, I was oblivious, you know, I thought everything I was doing was great. And for the first little while that I was there, um, because I would have to make these long road trips and I'd have to drive home all night long when we were just doing TV. I'd have to drive home all night long and pull into the parking lot at work at 7.30 in the morning right before I had to change clothes and run into my shitty hot warehouse that I worked in. So I, I didn't have much interaction with them. But looking back at it, I, I would say at first I didn't get heat for what I said because they didn't understand it and I was just an asshole uh, as, as a uh, fan said to me once in the hallway or at a, uh, seven 11 or something, Hey, Mr. Horn, where'd you learn? Who learned you? What are you talking about? What? Mr. Horn, who learned you? What do you mean? Who learned you all them big words you use? So, um, I, I don't think they got it at first, but when I started to ramp it up, um, it, it got, you know, because, you know, I'm looking, I'm just reading reviews in the sheets every couple of weeks and I'm just thinking, okay, wh- where can I take it? How far can I go before I get in trouble? You know, and, uh, towards the end, uh, I would run into people in the motel, the hotels, motels, whatever the hell you, I guess those were motels or, or hotels with a W in front of it. Um, <laughs> like the super eight, but, uh, yeah, some of them, some of them took offense, and and a lady of questionable virtue with whom I spent an evening uh, said something to me along the lines of, "Now nah, you can't tell nobody, can't tell nobody uh, I was with you, Horn, because my mama, my mama go ape shit. My mama's a damn Pentecostal holiness. If she knew I was with you, she'd whip my ass. Oh, you know, I got that, but I." <laughs> And, and then on the, I believe, the very last promo I ever cut there, which uh, according to the timeline where you're doing it might be four weeks from now, three weeks from now, um, <clears throat> at the very end of it, you can audibly hear some guy yell out, get that Satan shit out of here. 
know? <laughs> um, and, and, and it's probably a good thing that Cornette fired me when he did, because I, I trust me, I, I don't remember what I had lined up anymore, but I, I had at that point, I had like a notebook filled out with just bullet points that I was going to insert <laughs> into whatever the storyline was. And that was pretty much the way I did things was I would spend the three weeks in between tapings just coming up, you know, coming up with just fucked up things to say, you know, seeing how far I could push the limits, seeing if I could get, get bleeped, which I only got bleeped one time or beeped, whatever they call it, censored one time audibly. And, uh, I had, I remember I had a, I was about to really, probably do stuff that would have gotten me fired for, for doing that. But, uh, thankfully, <laughs> probably thankfully I, uh, Cornette had the good sense to fire me for something entirely different before I could, uh, completely fuck my career up going forward. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I, I, I was going to ask you a few other questions about your time there, but, uh, while, while you're talking about your departure from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, can you elaborate on, uh, when you left the circumstances around it? I think you've told it one other time on Cornette's show, maybe, but, uh, right. anything, anything you can share on that? Because a, a lot of people did, did question it on the Facebook group. They were like, how did it end? You know, what happened? So, uh, what happened when, when you ended up, uh, getting the boot by Cornette? Well, um, I had, you know, I told you I had this shitty job in a warehouse that I didn't care about. Right. And I was firmly convinced. And by this point, Cornette's already started going to WWE or WWF as it was called, you know, right. with the heavenly bodies, they're, they're doing that. And, uh, you know, and I don't remember if any of the other guys had moved up the roster yet or left the roster to go to WWF, but, but the talk was in there, you know, the, the buzz was around that it was going to be a feeder system. So I was, I had convinced myself I'm going to WWF. There's no way around it. You know, I'm, I'm look at me next to the rest of the, uh, the rest of these hillbillies, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not Cornette or Heyman, but I'm right under them is how I saw myself at the time. in my, you know, fucking, uh, arrogance and, and, and youthful <laughs> cluelessness, but um, so I'd gotten, I, I started really fucking off at my day job, and uh, like intentionally breaking furniture and stuff like that. I'd be on a on a uh, what do you call it a uh, like a forklift thing that would go up like two stories high to move like <laughs> say a uh, a big dresser, and with right. these forklifts you could do this because they're electric. It wasn't like hydraulic brakes. When you, when you let go of the throttle or whatever you call it, the thing stopped on a dime. And if you weren't really careful, shit would go flying off of that pallet. So because I'm sure I'm going to New York uh, to be a star in WWF, I'm just kind of showing off to the people I work with. Like, fuck you guys. You guys can stay here with your blue collars. I'm going, I'm going to go be a TV star. And I started breaking furniture. So I would be hauling ass on these forklifts and I would slam on brakes and go, oops. And like a, a fucking expensive Oak or cherry, uh, dresser or whatever you call it would go flying, you know, because of inertia would just go flying off the end of the thing and hit the ground from two stories in the air 
and just shatter, right? Well, (laughs) to a degree, you can write that kind of shit off as an accident. But when it's happening two and three times a day, because you've got some asshole who thinks Smoky Mountain is going to make him a millionaire, you know, so uh, (laughs) you don't put up with it. So I had just gotten fired from my day job. But I wasn't, you know, I was sure any day now I was getting the call. In between there, Paul Heyman called me. Now, uh, Paul Heyman, I'd, whatever, squirreled his name away from Barry Horowitz or somebody a few years earlier. And I would speak to Paul occasionally on the phone, and he would talk to me about maybe bringing me into the early East, early incarnation of ECW uh, b- before it became, you know, the barbed wire hardcore thing. Right, <laughs> and, right. Um, excuse me. And so I get a phone call from Paul Heyman about a day after, day or two after I'm fired. And after I've been fired, I went on a binge. I believe I was fired on a Friday. So I go on a weekend binge and I'm just hammered, pissed off that I lost my job and kind of celebrating. Heyman calls me and says, hey, is it true uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling's going out of business? Now, then that scared me because, oh, shit, wait a minute. I lost my shoot job. But wait a minute, I, I can't be getting fired from Smoky Mountain. So I, I go into panic mode. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know, I heard a, it was something about Jim Cornette's wife was divorcing him. And Cornette's lost his marbles and whatever. The whole company's going down the shitter. So, uh, first of all, I knew nothing about that. You know, I mean, I'd read in the sheets that Cornette, Cornette was starting to, uh, uh, catch heat like in the pro wrestling torch and things like that because so, there was like a riot and rise. Oh yeah, rise the the in in stuff. in late in late ninety three there was the what Wade Keller called the race riot, which Bobby Blaze has told me was not a race riot. It was a riot, right? But it was a race riot, and so all that had happened, and the story had come out. And and by that point, Corny had basically told Wade Keller if he ever sees him, he's going to fucking kill him. Um, and so on and so forth. So yes, there was there was some right. some heat between he and the torch at that point. Right, but there was within the sheets there was starting to be the equivalent of the social justice warriors movement. So Cornette started getting shit on or whatever. And I mean, I mean, I I just I could only go by what I was reading in the days. But right, you know, right. and he would he would respond in print occasionally. You know, you know, basically fuck you guys, kiss my ass, you know, whatever. But he was, and clearly, you know, he's under a lot of stress. But like an idiot, I get off the phone with Heyman that night or afternoon, whenever it was. And I called uh, Casey O'Connor, who was, uh, that's the guy who, whose car uh, Cornette beat up with a baseball bat. Yes, oh, I know that story. story. So Casey O'Connor was, I don't know, a, a, a runner, production assistant, whatever. But he was a cool guy. Got, you know, I had his phone number and I called him all drunk. And I said, hey, what's the story? I hear his wife's leaving him and he's going to close the promotion up. And KC told me, uh, Van Horn, you really need to mind your own fucking business. <laughs> he goes, don't worry about uh, Jim Cornette's marital status. Don't worry about the, you know, the status of the company. You just come here and do what you do. And that's the best thing I'm going to tell you. And I said, okay, well, thank you for your time. Well, then I sat around with my buddy and we drank some more. And then I really fucked up. I called, I think the girl's name was Pam Lawson or something like yeah. that. It was, yep. it was his Jamie, his 
Jamie Ingle, his personal assistant, you know. And I, after being told to shut my mouth, I drunkenly called her and asked her the same question. She pretty much said the same thing to me a little more sternly. And I hung up thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to talk about it. I get it. And not long after that, it might have been 30, 45 minutes later, the phone rings. Daryl Van Horn, Jim Cornette. Hey, what's going on? What are we doing next week? You stupid son of a bitch. What business is it of yours if I've got nine goddamn wives? And he just, I thought Dick Murdoch had cut a promo on me. This son of a, well, you know, the promos he cuts on Russo or, or oh, yeah. Dick, Sling, Dick Suplex guy. He cut one of those promos on me. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely fucking destroyed me. And I'm sitting there going, Jim, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't, you know, uh, you know, I got fired and, you know, I got fucked up and, you know, I was just nervous. And, uh, and, he, and he just promoed me for like 30, 30 minutes. Stop. And, you know, towards the end of it, he finally, I guess he probably realized that even though he'd called me a stupid, clueless motherfucker repeatedly, um, I think he may have taken a little pity and thought, okay, maybe he really is a stupid, clueless motherfucker. And, and he told me at the time, well, you know what? He goes, everybody now knows this because you ran your fucking mouth. You know, he goes, you know, it's like a game of telephone. So the word is already spread that you're calling, telling everybody that, my, that I'm, uh, I'm leaving my wife or whatever the story was. And he said, so I can't bring you back right now. So maybe take a little time off and we'll bring you back. But that never, you know, wound up never happening. But that is how I wound up leaving. And just for the record, you and you and Cornette are, are all in good terms these days. But uh, that was uh, oh, yeah. that was how that was how yeah. it ended in 1994. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, um, I mean, I spoke to him, I don't know, six months after that. I spoke to him a couple times over the years looking for gigs in WWE, and, and we were friendly, and then when I ran into him in uh, TNA, when he uh, had the misfortune of, uh, or he would say the misfortune of working there under Dixie, um, yeah, we, we, we got along great. Of course, I did piss him off again there, <laughs> towards... towards uh, uh, because I accidentally uh, dialed his phone number in the middle of the night, trying to his his phone number, my wife's phone number were one one space apart on the uh, friends list or whatever you call it, the uh, call list. <laughs> and uh, I accident I was sitting in a room partying with the boys, and I pressed uh, whatever you know I hit my fat fingers hit the wrong damn thing, and I looked down on it as I'm sitting there talking shit with a room full of drunk wrestlers. And I saw it, it said Cornette or whatever on the screen. And I hung up the phone quickly and I went, oh shit. It's like, and he was real wound up about something that night. But I forget why he was mad. He had a shitty ride or a shitty trip or something. And I, I said, oh fuck guys, this isn't cool. I just called Cornette. You know, it's like four or five in the morning. And they go, nah, it's fine. He didn't answer, did he? And I said, no, but I, no, I've already, I was yelled at him you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever it was. And sure enough, he called me back <laughs> just a few minutes later. You stupid motherfucker. Blah, 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 blah. Now, of course, he wasn't in a position to fire me, but he just basically threatened to kill me if I got anywhere near him. <laughs> and so, um, and, and here's an interesting little story. I, I don't think I even told Cornette this. 
Um, after that, so I didn't, I mean, we worked and occasionally Cornette would be the agent for our matches in TNA and he would give me the finish, but you know, there was no more shooting shit like, like homeboys. And I was terrified, you know, that's like, I don't know. I mean, if your hero is, uh, uh, I don't know shit about sports, name a sports hero, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know, if you're a boxer, Muhammad Ali cuts a promo on you. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah. You know, I just like, ah, shit. So I just stayed out of his way. And what Cordette would do then, every time he walked by me, you know, because, you know, you, we, it wasn't awkward enough to where we wouldn't, I would not look at him, but we'd have to pass, cross paths occasionally, several times a day. And he would be my boy, like Jim Barnett, the old <laughs> motor from NWA. Yeah. And yeah. anybody who knows about Jim Barnett, you know, he was an old queen and all that. But I, I realized that my boy was sort of like his, uh, his way of saying, uh, fuck you. <laughs> you know? but, uh, uh, anyhow, tor- towards the, uh, right, right before I left TNA, I actually took him to the, cause, oh, oh, I was going to say, I was getting this custom made devil cane built, right? And I was going to have it made out of, I don't know, plastic or something else. I had a guy sculpt it and all this. And then uh, after Cornette told me he was going to kill me, or, or, you know, I'm sure he wasn't going to murder me, but you know, you yeah, know yeah. if I ever pissed him off, he was, was going to beat shit out of me. So I called, uh, I, I canceled the guy, who I had mold made, but I canceled the guy who was going to make it out of some weak shit. And I found a, uh, it's called a foundry or whatever, where they deal with steel. I had it made out of the head, the devil head on it, made out of stainless steel. <laughs> Cost me like $1,700 for them to make Shit. one of them. Because I was like, if Cornette goes to kicking my ass, I'm going to have to go after his knees with my stainless steel. You know, it's like a giant biker ring. You know what I mean? With the, all Jesus. the horns and points. And shit yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, I was that fucking terrified. I didn't want to do it. And I'm not saying, you know, that's the reason I made the thing. I spent $1,700 making out of a stainless steel is because I was like, this guy goes to trying to whip my ass. I got no choice, but to try to hit him, you know, with, with my gimmick, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but after, but no, everything was fine because eventually I didn't, I was uncomfortable with the uncomfortable silence and the, my boys. And I, uh, took him to the side and I said, I uh, just wanted to ask you, can we squash this? And he really didn't even remember what he was mad about. You know, and he said, well, there was a couple things going on and one was, you know, a bad day and a bad trip and whatever else, but it basically it was washed. And then I've run into him in the conventions over the years and everything's fine. Okay, everyone, that was part one with the sinister minister, James Mitchell. Daryl Van Horn and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I know you enjoyed it, and trust me, next week it gets even better as he talks about Honeymoon and the Rats and Smoky Mountain Wrestling and Wrestler's Court and all kinds of other shenanigans and whatnot. Um, Doc and Harper at this point have not heard part one, but I know Doc is going to go back and listen because he, I and I don't blame him on this one because goddamn Daryl Van Horn was phenomenal uh he he just he he really he and i really had a good time and i can't wait for you all to listen to part two but again if you want part part one and two together you can get it tinyurl.com slash patreon btt now one of the things that daryl van horn did at the end of part 
2, which you'll hear next week, is he had a message for the BTT Army and for Hardbody Harper. So, Harper, mm. are you ready to hear the message from the Sinister Minister? Yeah. All right, here it is. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> All right, Hop. Well, isn't that something? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so I'm Denim Fritz and you're Harper Van Horn. <laughs> and Mike's black. Hit the tag on Harper. <laughs> okay, now, Doc, how awesome was that? Well, it's good that you t- take direction. The last thing I told Mike to do before he called him up was I said, make sure he says something about the show that we can play on the show. Mike's like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. So, way to follow directions and slamming cocks and doors. Can you imagine how painful that would be? That would suck, man. Yeah. He is, he, he's a true professional, and, and here's why. I, I All I mentioned to him was, can you give me one of those plugs? This is, you know, Daryl Van Horn, and you're, you know, Hard Body Hopper is my illegitimate son. And the big called a liner? Yeah. I just throw him like a little line. And uh, you'll hear it on part two next week, but I just throw him a little line, and he added the dulcet tones, and I would rather slam my cock into a car door. That was all. That was all. Daryl Van Horn, the sinister minister, man, ad living on a spot and and just running with it, man. He's a true pro. He's a, he's you a true pro. People, you can, you know, after listening to that filth and raunch for the last almost hour, can you tell the people if they don't want to wait for next week on how to hear part two, where can they sign up to become a patron, Mike? Yeah, tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. Again, part two, if you want to wait till next week, it'll be there. But if you want the whole thing in its entirety, uh, whenever we do interviews, we post them early for the patrons. So there you and go. And you know Tiny what? Let me, let me just cut the shit here. There ain't going to oh, be geez. any sponsors. You're the sponsors out there, patrons. So you're going to have to keep this thing afloat. Yeah, we ain't getting no sponsors, bro. That's nah, nobody happen. wants a part of this. We don't want a part of them either. Fuck them. Yeah. Well, I kind of do want Blue Chew if they'd ever get back nah, to me. They don't like you. Big pills. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, that's not what you told me Mrs. Doc said, but okay. They got a commercial during during uh, Ring Warriors. Dude, I saw that. I saw yeah. that the first week. Why did they, why, uh, is every other wrestling fan but me a limp dick motherfucker? Uh, apparently so. Jesus Christ. That's what I, I was know, thinking. Bro. Apparently fucking uh, Marks can't get it up. Maybe that's why Casper never sold any mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were they were they were advertising to the wrong right. wrong demographic. Doc, is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we need to find is some some of the, like sweatpants with super elastic middles. That's what we need. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and maybe uh, a hand wipe that works on those extra hard Cheeto stains that you get on your fingers. That's nice. Jeez, that's great, Doc. All right, everybody. Uh, uh, before we get out of here, remember, don't forget the holidays. Oh, my God, the holidays are really Dude, upon us. They're fuck, coming, bro. man. Dude, they ain't coming. It's here. What I, I tell you, what I tell you, man, last night was Halloween. 
And my mother-in-law was in there watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, dude. What the fuck, Bruh. dude? That That's sucks. It. That's there's what no, I... There's no Golden Girls. There's no Cheers. None of that is, is, is on a Hallmark channel now. It's that shit. For the past two weeks, they've been doing it. Harper, we got a long way to go, bro. It's only November 1st of tonight. We got... We, we got... When this airs, when this show airs, this show will air... Two weeks before Thanksgiving. The holidays are here, bro. It's upon us. We cannot avoid it. The Christmas carols, all that bullshit has started, pal. Yeah. It's crazy. Dude, the only thing uh, worse than fireworks and fake patriotism is fucking Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you are shooting right now. <laughs> For real. That's 100% true. I had one person ask me at work today... How soon do you get your Christmas shopping out the way? I was like, motherfucker, I don't do Christmas shopping. I go online, buy one or two things for these old snot-nosed-ass kids, and that's a fucking wrap. Do you think I go out and buy shit for family members? Fuck no. Your kid gets as old as yours are. Your best move is to just buy some extra memory. Sasha's on the the other side of this door. (laughs) She's getting hot. Yes! She's pissed. Tell her to keep her Uggs to herself, and she can't. She can even. She, she, you can't even hear her. And her exact response to one of my comments just now was, "Ugh." <laughs> what is it with these broads and Ugg? I can't even. I can't even. That's the other one. Girl, shut the front door. Stop uh, it. What the? Here's the, here's one white girls. I don't know. Sasha's pretty white too, though. What the fresh hell? I ain't never heard that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a real Becky. I haven't heard one. that one. That's a real yeah. Becky one. What the? Say that again. What the fresh hell? Hey Doc, what's that one you told me a co- like a year or two ago? You said when um, it, it's like the holidays. Like let's say we're watching a football game on on Thanksgiving. It, it's always at the Cowboys game like this, and they have some kind of a. Uh, like a oh, singer, every, singer. everything just looks so good. I just don't no, know. No, 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 no. Like, let's say Britney Spears is singing during halftime, and and, and then they'll go, "What? What's that? Is Britney singing? Is Britney? Is what Britney is this sing, first name basis? Bitch, you, you want, if you're on first name basis with Britney Spears, hook me up. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. I'm I hate people and, like that, bro. They're like, I'm yeah, gonna go, I'm gonna go outside and try to catch a cigarette and maybe huff some gas before this third quarter starts. When they call like Drew Brees, Drew, but they went to high school with him. Yeah, you don't know him, and he don't yeah. know. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. Before we get out of here, remember use the Amazon referral link. The holidays are here. That's where I was going with that originally. It's tinyurl.com/bttamazon. You can buy anything and everything on Amazon, so please use it. Every single time you shop on Amazon, give it to your wives, girlfriends, side pieces, whatever you want to call it. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. And then a couple of quick shout-outs. Shout out to the... Let me tell you something. If you don't buy that trash bag side piece that you're banging a Christmas present, you're never going to hear the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What'd you say, Harper? You got to get of those... What's those those fucking balls you throw in like in the in the bathtub? Those like soap balls, iPods. Yeah. <laughs> Harper, when are we gonna do the? We gotta do that patron episode you you requested last week about uh, broads oh, on a hijack Halloween. Halloween. We can do it right yes. now. 
Oh no, <laughs> K-Fade, brother K-Fade. <laughs> he's he's got to run. That's why we can't do it now. But uh, oh. uh, but again, uh, real quick, check out the wrestling podcast about nothing with ROH is Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett every single Monday. Again, they had on Beer City Bruiser a few weeks ago, so check it out. They're doing some classic stuff, current stuff. Really, really good show by two great guys. Again, it's the wrestling podcast about nothing. The WPAN. Search them wherever you get your podcast from. And then one other shout out to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. guys that plug us so we plug them and it's a good show run by joe Murata and michael quinn as they give their take on the northern side of pro wrestling's history just a little bit classier a little bit more professional but they do their thing and again it's up north so check them out our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast i'm all tuckered out we got to get out of here i do want to say this uh we are i am about to throw it to the patrons of the quarter gerald green and and um and uh, at Thin Man Within, Mark Wilson. So hang tight for that. Harper, you got anything else before we get out of here? If not, hit the tagline, pal. Fuck it, bitch. All right, everybody. I'm sitting here with uh, Mark and Gerald, two Hall of Fame patrons, patrons of the quarter. And uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, first off, uh, I want to welcome them both to the show. We'll do we'll do it traditionally. I'm going to ask them a couple of questions, and then um, if you're a patron, you'll get a little bit of extra from uh, from the three of us tonight as we uh, we talk a little classic wrestling, probably. And I'm going to let uh, Mark and Gerald ask me whatever questions they want to ask me about uh, anything. So there's that. So uh, Gerald, first, how are you, man? You good? Uh, I'm I'm doing good, sir. How are you? I I, I do the uh, the Harper. I'm fine, Mike. How are you? But uh, we'll, we'll not do that tonight. <laughs> no worries at all. I'm good, Gerald. What about you, Mark? You hanging in there? Fantastic, man. Just glad to be here on a Friday night and uh, good to finally uh, chat with you live. That's really cool. No problem at all, man. Uh, I, I thought one of you were going to say, living the dream, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, living the dream. Being blessed and being a blessing, you know. Yes, yes, as Buddy Landau would say. All right, so I, I guess I'll I'll go to you first, Mark. Um, I I I think I know this, but I'm curious how how long you've been listening and um how did you find the show originally? I can't remember exactly. Well, I was in March of um, 2017 uh, when I began uh, listening, and I think or it was either March or April, somewhere in there. But uh, you know, I have been sort of traveling around a different podcast listening to different ones uh here and there and uh the one that uh i first i first sort of got into listening to um cornette's podcast because i was listening to jr's podcast and i kind of quit listening to jr's podcast and started listening to cornette because jr had cornette as a guest so then i go and i start listening to cornette's and then i just happened to be uh I guess a couple weeks into me listening to it that uh, he had you on uh, talking about the Smoky Mountain show. And I had gotten to listen to some, uh, or I'd gotten to see some Smoky Mountain um, at one point because uh, I laughed at the whole Thrill Seekers uh, (laughs) video that was on YouTube from their promo. Uh, That was, that made me laugh because just the whole idea of, they're thrill seekers, yet they're playing video games and feeding a bear. And uh, it was just, uh, it just, it was hilarious to me to see uh, Jericho and Storm that early in their career um, 
you know, doing the thrill seeking that they did. And uh, so that was my first exposure to Smoky Mountain. And then uh, so that made me interested to see more. And uh, and so about that time, I started watching uh, the videos on YouTube and then um, and then uh, checking out your show. Uh, I just start at the beginning. And I mean, that's the way to go. You start at the beginning and just work your way through. So, um, and then shortly after that, I started getting into your, um, to your Saturday, uh, WCW Saturday nights or NWA Saturday nights yeah. right after that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you giving us a chance. I'll throw it to, uh, Gerald now. Gerald, uh, I think I kind of know, cause I think you told me once on Twitter, but how long you been listening and how did you find us? Yeah. So I, I, I'd go all the way back. Um, not quite as far back as Mark, but about the April, late April, early May timeframe last year. And, and you had, you know, you co-hosted on uh, Mr. Cornette's show and, and, and who wouldn't want to hear and listen and learn from Jim Cornette? I mean, the great Jim Cornette, who wouldn't want to listen to him? And then when you were on there and you, Hey, this is what we do. And this is the shows I've got. I'm like, Holy shit. I need to check this out. And then, you know, started going back and then that, that just reminded me of, you know, growing up and, and watching it on TV and I thought, man, these were Saturday nights when I was a kid growing up. I, these, these guys are right there and it's, it's great to hang out and listen to the, these guys talk about that. And then, yeah, you know, and then I, and I felt bad, you know, like, well, shit, these guys are giving me this, you know, two free shows a week. I, I better, you know, man up and pay <laughs> up a little bit and, uh, and, you know, get them off my back for, hey, we give you this free stuff now. So, <laughs> And go out there and, and uh, you know contribute what I what I really should be contributing to to what a great show and I mean you know people always say hey you know the three you, you got patrons come on and oh the, you know I'm not gonna bust anybody's balls and I'm not gonna go on and do any of that because you guys do this is a second job for you guys so you, you're given you know a hundred percent and then some you know to to this and so that's why I continue to listen so goddamn it's it's great to you know, to hang out with you guys twice a week. So I, I appreciate it. And I thank you very much for, for that. Yeah, we, we have fun. It's uh like you said, it's a, it's a trip down memory lane. It's reliving your childhood in a way. And then, um, I mean, you know, you get to listen to Ric Flair promos uh, every single week and, and, and just uh, and, lose know, your mind behind that. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, and, and answer the question to what's causing all this. Right, right. Gerald, there was a time where Gerald would send me probably twice a week on Twitter a what's causing all this tweet. <laughs> it would be funny. I would laugh. I'd, I'd open it up and see it and just start laughing hysterically because, you know, you know, you, you picture Rick and you can hear Rick saying it. What's causing all this? Woo! And it, it's just it's uh it's gold. So, uh, no, man, I, I appreciate that from both of you guys. All right. So I'll ask. um Mark, do you want to cut a promo on Doc? I'm going. I'm going to give it give it a shot here. Um, <laughs> now, now let me warn you, I, you. You you know you know he will. You know he will. He will joust back because he can't help himself. He's I, he's just that kind of guy. <laughs> Before I do that, I I, I want to make sure that I put over Lance, um, who's uh, on your WCCW show. He's oh, the yeah. quintessential W. W fan, uh, fantastic co-host. Um, so I, I want to make sure I do that before I get into Doc. If you see what I'm, where I'm going with that, but um, absolutely. Anyway. And, and I want to say something. That dude doesn't even share 
half of the knowledge he has he can he's like a world-class encyclopedia like when you talk to him i was at an roh show with him uh, a couple months back and i mean for three hours while we watched roh he he could he told me things about world class that i just don't remember or never saw i mean he's an encyclopedia he's like like if you started talking to him just met him in the street he'd talk to you he'd talk to you for four or five hours straight and and, and would never repeat himself on world class he's good so i just wanted to say that mark yeah yeah i mean the photographs and everything he posts on twitter are just i mean i, I just feel like it's like he just knows his audience i mean it's it's fantastic but um yeah he's great i have to say I have to say with Doc, um, I know Doc had that that game. I watched that game with the Redskins this past week and the Cowboys. <laughs> and, uh, I saw Dak Prescott get up there. And uh, and by the way, Dak Prescott's nothing but a poor man's Cam Newton. I mean, he just go, he went up there. And yeah, but they're just all trying to be like really a no pass that, that ended up being an interception you know, pick six from your own two yard line. I mean, it was ridiculous, but, um, but, uh, I used to actually, you know, as, as you know, Mike, and some of you may know, I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. And of course, you know, doc's taking some jibes at, at Bama here and there, but I used to say that, uh, that Alabama was the, um, was the Dallas Cowboys of college football. Um, but, uh, but now I don't say that because, Man, the Cowboys have just sucked for a very long time. And um, <laughs> the other thing about Doc that I've that I've got to mention uh, mainly happened on the Smoky Mountain show more than any of the other ones. But uh, t- setting aside the Urban Dictionary thing this past week with the Pop Tart, when he would get <laughs> on there and just do that stupid Pop Tart gimmick every week. I mean, I would just shake my head. I was like, this is like the dumbest gimmick ever. Um, and uh, our buddy, uh, our buddy Armando Martinez likes to also mention about how, uh, what kind of Texan would marry a feminist that, and he doesn't <laughs> not shoot gun. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, Go on. <laughs> I don't know if he's like an Austinite or, or, or what, but. I don't know if he's from Austin or went to University of Texas because, you know, a buddy of mine uh, went to grad school there and and he used to tell me about, you know, the the feminists and all that that are that are there. And uh, I don't know if, if, if he married one of those girls or not. And I mean, far be it from me, I, you know, whatever, whatever work you have to use to, to end up with a woman. I mean, you know, I've 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 done the work over the years. Um, you know, with um, church girls, and uh, of course, you got to wait a lot longer for those kind of girls. But you know, I, I did, I've done that. I've done that stint over the years. So I guess I shouldn't judge them too much for that. But anyway, there, there you go. That's that's my effort on that. So, oh, Doc loves to play around on the show. That's all I'll say. Believe nothing he says, other than the fact that he can be a jackass sometimes. Uh, that's the best way I can put it with him because he loves just saying things for shock value. He is. I don't watch him anymore, but Doc is truly like Skip Bayless of a pro wrestling podcast. That's uh, probably the best way to uh, to describe him. But uh, I hear you there, Mark. Uh, Gerald, do you want to cut a promo on Doc at all? No, not really. I mean. Anybody that can get on the show with, you know, two guys that, as Doc always says, 
hey, you listen, you two flat back bumpers, you know, and, and uh, still keep a, a straight face about it. And, and uh, you know, or can can drink a beer or two or 17 and still stay kind of sober and talk about the show. No, I ain't, I ain't going to bust his balls. I will say this. Uh, that's 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 a true story. He can put a lot of beer down. He really can. That, that's not um, that's not an act. That's a legitimate deal with him. He can put beer down. Uh, uh, I, me not so much. And he truly exaggerates the amount of Hennessy that I drink. It is nowhere near what that fool likes to portray. Uh, don't get me wrong. I've had my share here and there, but uh, I do not drink it as much as uh, either I have implied or he definitely uh, tries to imply. Uh, so yeah all right uh well i appreciate that that's gonna wrap up this uh this segment of the show so let's Quick shout out to all the patrons out there, especially the Hall of Fame patrons and all of the patrons who make this show possible uh, each and every week that we do it. And don't forget to check out the video reviews that should be posted. I'm posting them where I can get them through on Daily Motion. So I just wanted to mention that before we get out of here. I know Harper already hit the tagline and all that good stuff. And I uh, just wanted to remind you, though, check out the videos that I am posting because I am, if I can get them through, I post them uh, for you to not only enjoy the podcast reviews but actually to see the visual of the promos that we are discussing and maybe clips of some of the matches and finishes and all that good stuff and lastly special shout out to all of the hall of fame patrons out there on this lovely november 2nd 2018 i want to say thanks to josh dunn ryan ashby good old justin k underscore row 86 disrespectfully classy marky blassy robert smith joseph ice tim orecci adam price brian evans mark wilson armando martinez dave jordan jesse jacobs josh fields chris meyer gerald green mitchell johnson mike prue 
Will Parker, Jeremy Bryant, Classy Alex, Slider91 US, David DeVries, Frog Zeppelin, SV Pagem, Bill Salsa, Big Rich, at Spyboy Sports Cap, Ari Miller39, Dustin Roberts, Jay Shiny21, Ruben Espinoza, JMM7530, Merciless Jones, Jesse Lucas, Chris Browning, Justin underscore injury, Coldman822, Marty Howell, and T Hog94. Thanks for being Hall of Fame patrons. And remember, guys, don't forget to check out those video reviews now up on Patreon uh, just for patrons. All patrons, that is. So thanks again. Have a great week, and we will catch you next time.